Miniature soldiers, big opinions. This is the Conclave Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Conclave Podcast. I am Reza and I'm super excited about today's uh, episode as I'm a, a wee bit of a fan of our guest. But before we get to him, giving it a bit away there, narrowed it down by 50%. Uh, <laughs> before we introduce, let's let's have a, a say hello to our usual suspects. So, the Sandman, how are you this fine evening? I'm good, thanks Reza. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm excited to see uh, how excited you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so far my clothes are still on, so uh, there's, yeah. there's plenty of way to go. Uh, Quipster, how are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm knackered because I went to bed at five o'clock this morning, um, but I'm good. What were you doing till... F- I don't, I'm scared to ask that question, but what were you doing till <laughs> 5am? <laughs> uh, I went to see some friends for the first time in a year and a half. And uh, we spent a lot of time with their dog, and he is amazing because he's like bright white and looks like a wolf. And so we just spent like hours patting him. But yeah, no, I'm I'm very very low energy and tired today. So apologies if I don't necessarily go off on all of the tangents I normally do. I'm I'm glad you said that because I was slightly worried the answer was going to be you were up till five a.m. repainting Custody's bases. And, like, everyone's <laughs> expecting, you know, now no, they're all done now. Go and have a party, and it's like nah, I'm painting bases, mate. <laughs> And this leads me perfectly on to the beautiful man that is the legal department. Adam, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm enjoying this weather. It's absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? He says, sat indoors recording a podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, yeah, it's it's stunning. And uh, I'm looking forward to going to get some gaming in tomorrow as we're recording just before the bank holiday, um, mm. which is going to be nice as well. So yeah, no, it's all good. And, and I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but sisters, yay, sisters are coming out. Yay. Yeah. Woo. And then awesome awesome guest are you ready the awesomely bearded man liam how are you i feel like you've built it up too much now already yeah, like, i, I feel like i can't live up to the hype now <laughs> i'm yeah, excited good. that's all that matters <laughs> i've actually spent a whole day painting which for me alex will tell you is like just never happens so to get yeah. a whole day hobbying well nearly two days hobbying in is yeah it's different so um i thought i'd take some time out and come and say hello nice nice well i think that leads us on perfectly to our kind of hobby progress segment so i guess we'll start with you liam how is it feel to actually do some painting yeah it's been strange Reza. it's been weird as well but like i said finally able to sit down and do some which has been quite nice so um for ages now with well i say for ages now like literally since the launch of ninth edition i was like i need to get back on the necron hype train because the new models are gorgeous so i did what everyone did i got loads of them built a ton of them and put them in the cupboards um, so over the, course of like, <laughs> over the course of like the last two months, I thought oh, I should probably do something with these and I've started to paint them and I'm trying to not do a typical me and just go for like a real simple scheme. And I'm kind of half done that because some of it's simple, some of it's not. But it's yeah, it's been quite nice to actually sit down. I was chatting to Winters on the phone today. And I was like, I'm actually enjoying the hobby again, as in the actual hobby part of the hobby, which is really cool. So um, yeah, I'm yeah, enjoying Adam, it right you- now. Adam, you got your Necron painting down to a pretty fine art, didn't you? I'm assuming you could crack out a Necron warrior under a stopwatch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a go. I, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely went for the the simple scheme on the Necrons. It's all dry brushing and contrast, but these, they, I think, I saw on effective. your Instagram, effective is yeah, the better word to use. Effective, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw on your your Instagram, Liam, you you were doing like the blades on the the scorepec destroyers and i know like they can like they take me longer as well because obviously you want to try and get that kind of glowy effect but luckily gw have got lots of nice kind of glowy green paints now if you're doing them all i mean if you're, if you're doing them in other colors as well you can really get that effect quite quite nicely 
Yeah, that transition is just the bit that takes the time. So um, yeah. I did, I, I've, I've like base coated everything with an airbrush, stuck a wash over, I've painted the arm panels black because I decided I'd try and follow in, in Quipster's footsteps and um, torch myself with highlighting black. Um, oh, yeah. And then I got onto like the glowy stuff, and my friend uh, Martin Waller, he was like, "Just buy Tesseract glow and stick it like in the gauze weapons and stuff, and it's actually really good." But for the big flat blades, it looks really bad if you just slop it on. So I was like, "Okay, so how do I match this color?" And he went, "Right, you just need these seventeen different greens that you mix in various stages throughout the process." <laughs> I was like, "All right, brilliant. Okay, I don't know why I've, I've opened myself up for this, and that's that's how that started." <laughs> it's, this is what the Necron... happens when. The Necrons are all prepared for no retreat, right? Have you got like your list like sorted that you want to do? Because I know you've been listening to your uh, endless cacophony. You've been kind of flirting with some ideas. Uh, I, I'd love to say so. In terms of have I got a list sorted? As of this right moment, yes. Will it change in six hours? Probably. And will it change again by next week? Probably again. Yeah. So um, this is for no retreat legends, which is in November. So I've got like six months. But I've also been talking to Stephen Box from Vanguard Tactics. I've been talking to Jim Vasil, who um, who's in deployment zone now, uh, and they keep telling me, "Oh, you could do this, and oh, you could do that." So my list changes more than my pants do at the moment. To be honest with you. <laughs> Well, saying this, is it like you don't have to say the details, but is it the same list that we were talking about yesterday? So currently, that's the list. Yes, at the moment. Oh my god, that <laughs> list is horrible. I have no idea what you could possibly take against that list that would work. That, that's all without, I can say. <laughs> without giving it away, just so I am very interested in this. What mm. is your uh, just? To, I guess I give away give one away. element of it, but won't, won't <laughs> give away all the units. What, if 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 you want to, obviously you don't have to. Um, what um, uh, dynasty are you going with, or are you going with a custom dynasty? So I get it for for competitive player. I think this needs to be the custom. Oh, I was torn between the custom dynasty, which is the pre, well, I, I guess it's kind of classified as the auto take, which is re, uh, relentlessly expansionist, and um, I can't remember the other one, Eternal something, Eternal Conquerors. So pre-game yeah, six-inch yeah. move, and then obsec for everything in the list. So I've got that for the main detachment, which happens to be a vanguard, um, and then I've got. Um, a supreme commander detachment as well. I mean, it's no surprises who that's going to be because it's only one one unit that can Big fill man. that slot. But yeah. I've I've decided to take Tetra a Necron army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've decided to take a Necron army that's got zero warriors and zero immortals in it at all. Nothing, none of those, no warriors whatsoever. It's it's quite it's different a... to the normal sort of build that you yeah. see for a Necron army. I'm interested. I'll be I'll be interested to see this see this on the tabletop. It's, it sounds yeah, it sounds like an interesting take on it. Honestly, you sent me the thing yesterday, and I took a look at it, and I was walking in the park, and I had to stop for a second, and I was just like, wait, what? No. It's, just, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's um... got more than six models in it. <laughs> yeah. So Alex well, is instantly swamped. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? It's, it's good, though, because I think the Necrons, they, like, they do have a lot of play. Like There are, there are a lot of things you can do with them, mm. and I, I feel like... They, as you say, like a lot of people did, you know, including myself, like built up a Necron army. I haven't, I mean, I haven't had a chance to use it yet, mainly because I haven't been able to play any games, right? But um, the, 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 I guess the lists you've seen turning up at tournaments such as they are and, you know, channel people putting them out, a lot of them have been, you know, minor variations on a theme almost. Um, like there was the very popular, like the Richard Seeger Silver Tide type list as well. Um, so it's, it's nice, it'd be nice to see, and again, I think, you know, going back to 
gaming opening up will just lead to more variations. It'll be nice to see people taking different builds in Necrons. So yeah, think, no, looking forward to seeing your Vanguard and Supreme. Interesting. I think I think one of the strengths with the Necron Codex, which I think we could probably apply to most of the ninth edition books so far, is that I don't think there is an auto list or an auto include. I mean, you could argue perhaps Drakari Raiders are an auto included a list, but there's just options across the board. So with Necrons, I've gone through maybe I guess four different iterations of the list where I started in, I started with sort of 40 warriors plus other bits and pieces, three doomstalkers. I've now got none of those lists, none of those units in my list at all. And the fact that I can go through three to four builds of a list and end up in a in a in a place where I've got nothing that was in the original list at all. So it's completely different. Just I think shows the strength of a, of a codex in terms of I think it's boring when you see the same version of the same list because that's the strong use in the codex and everything else isn't viable at events. And, and I guess narrative players are never going to really have that problem because they will pick things for the narrative. But when it comes to events, I still like to see variation. I don't like to see the same Necron list or the same Marine list. And I think that ninth at the moment, in my opinion, they're doing a really good job of giving people really hard choices as to what direction they go with their army. And I, I know for, for, for certain, for my list with Necrons, it is actually impossible possible to fit into 2k everything i want to take which which gives you that's a good problem to yeah. have right because you you want to take yeah. everything and you can't that means that someone else who wants to take the same things that i want to take might end up on a different like with a different mm. final list which i think is a real positive place for the for the codex for the hobby to be at, actually in general yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. I, I mean i was i was looking at the uh the the admech forge worlds um, just because I've, I've been able to bit of a giveaway for what I'm going to say on my bit, I guess, but I wasn't been actually been able to do much hobby over the last week. But I was just reading a lot of the Admet reviews, and you know, it was nice to see that all of the Forge Worlds that have come out in the Admet Codex pretty much are all good, right? Yeah. There's there's no there's no like back in the day where it was just oh you take Stygies, you take Mars, that's yeah. that's it, right? Like I think the only one that's a little bit questionable maybe is Grier, just because it leans very heavily into like mortal wound defense, but we haven't seen the big psychic armies get their codexes yet. Chaos, Nids, Eldar. So, you know, even that might be <laughs> might become super viable. So it is really good. I think it's a really good feature of the new ninth codexes. So, uh, so yeah, no, great, great to see it happening with the Necrons. Well, it might be a good opportunity just to go straight on to you then, if you're, if that is, if you have done any hobby progress or not. <laughs> yeah, well, so I've, I've been in, yeah, a bit of a giveaway. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've been in, I've been down in Cornwall for the last week, uh, not actually having a holiday <laughs> my other half was on holiday i was sort of mostly working um and also it rained for the first for the first three days which was a bit rubbish um but uh, so yeah i didn't actually get much hobby done i've been working a little bit on my sisters just building some more um some more uh repentia um which is probably a stupid idea because the codex is probably coming gonna come out and like just nerf them <laughs> um, but i love them they're cool what, um, adam what, so, what did you yeah. what did you think to the what did you think to all the new unit releases that we saw on warhammer fest week are you are you a pro those uh, units I'm, yeah i'm a big fan i i, I think like so more than val the um uh, the supreme command scary lady you know, yeah yeah scary lady with big <laughs> high lord of plus, terror right plus bolter well, yeah and high lord, lord of terror yeah yeah, like uh, she's awesome. She's so damn cool. I love that model. It's great. She's a feminine the Paragon Primark, warsuits. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, like she, she's, she's, I, and I like, I like the fact that they've, they've, like they, they're building out the backstory there. Like she's got that spear that the custodies gave her that Alex is convinced has got a listening device in it, but the custodies <laughs> aren't all creeps, so they've definitely <laughs> not done that. So it's fine. Um, the um, they've the, definitely done the, that. 
they, they, mate, you don't. How funny will it be if this does happen now? Quipster keeps being right about stuff on this podcast yeah. over time, and it's really annoying me. So I'm, I'm not even going to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> if it does, if it does, I'll like, I'll like, I'll, I'll buy you dinner or something, right? Come on, I, you Ooh. know, I've got to, I've got to, got to pay you out for that one because that, that would be a good prediction. Um, the Paragon War suits, I know people don't, some people don't love them. I think they, I think they do look good, and I think look, if you have a problem with them, there are ways of like modifying them. So one of the things that made me laugh when the Morven Val bottle came out is everyone was like, "Wow, it looks really good" because it's like wearing a kind of a skirt thing that covers up like the way where the legs are posed. It's like if you're mm. if you don't like because one of the big complaints about the Paragon War suits was like the legs look a bit thin, you know, or a bit or a bit funny the way they're posed. Mm. Like mm. you can just green stuff that. Um, I like the banner bearer; she's incredibly cool. Um, mm, like I, I just think, yeah, banner. I think they're a, they're a good they're a good like good additions to it. What I'm interested in, actually, Sam and I were talking about this um, just the other day, is one of the issues, my opinion, with the Sisters Codex, or that is an incredibly good codex, is we have an absolute profusion of HQs and elites, and mm. I'll be interested to see where the new stuff slots in. I won't. I won't talk about it in detail, but I've seen some some. There are some leaks knocking around online. People have said from from the new chapter approved that kind of give away where some stuff's going, and um, it, I, I think they have kind of addressed the problem. But until we see the codex, until they see, till we see how they you know play with the. Um, the the position of some units so when i say that i'm thinking here about like a death guard style fetid virian type thing for for you know units like the dogmata who's basically just like a priest or the missionary and things like that if they do that it'll be brilliant otherwise sisters armies and this sorry this sounds like a criticism that's stupid because i've just said i really like the fact you can you know you, you have lots of unit choice and agreed with you on that liam but it, it it's good to have lots of unit choice if you have enough slots to kind of take them if you see what mm. I mean, when it's a case where you have one troop unit and then everything's an elite and everything's an HQ and you've got like two fast attacks, it's all a bit like, oh, okay, well, how do I build my army around this? Because, you know, there's lots of things I want to take. You know, do I have to have multiple vanguards? How does that work? So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the models. I'm really excited about the release. And I really just want to see how they change the army and see how they make it go forward because sisters are very good. So I want to see how they, they move that forward um, for the next edition of Codex. I'm, I'm super excited good. for the one. You, um, well, we've spoke about, it, but I love your name for them, the Gundams. <laughs> oh, the the Nundams, yeah, Nundams, yeah. I I'm just a huge fan of just warriors with hoods, as a Dark Angels <laughs> fan, and so the the I, I, I don't know the names of the unit, but the. Uh, the women with the shields. There, oh, I, I, I just like Celest- I just like hoods. And the shields have cool guns in them. Yeah. 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 Sacrosancts. They are. Oh, yeah. That. That's you. I, it'd be interesting because I, I like that they've got the ones with the like the halberd, the pole arm, and they've also got the guys with the power mauls. And like the power maul to me is a is an underutilized um, weapon option in Warhammer 40k. So can I if I can have a unit of angry nuns with maces and shields who are going to charge your lines, I'm I'm well happy. No surprises though that I'm a little bit more uh, in favour of the halberd option. Oh, I love the halberd I, option for me looks yeah. the coolest. I do yeah, have a halberd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Why, but, you, um, why would you ever take anything other than a halberd? It's just yeah. no well, again, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, right? It's just going to be interesting to see what the what the rule set on them is and, and you know, do they have some bodyguard option or something? I know, again, the, 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 the limited amount of leaks that I've seen that are knocking about online from Chapter Approved, um, which obviously is going to be out a week earlier, um, mm. 
suggests there are some other changes there are some like sort of again nothing particularly uh, unexpected there are like um canoness upgrades a bit like the ones for you know mm. chapter command or tech priests or um you know whatever so or cryptech arcana so um so yeah it, it, I, i'm 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 tentative about what i'm going to do with my in fact, every force, book, but... every book has a version of that actually, doesn't it? Or, or, uh, every single book. So yeah, far. yeah. I think Admech they, yeah, they got, do. Admech have got. You can get one of four um, special things: Necrons, obviously, Cryptic Arcana, Space Marines. You've got Chapter Master, and then Necrons, You've got the Masters. Yeah, you've got the like Master the Masters, and stuff. So yeah, that's actually. I never. I actually just realised that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, same. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Which is cool. Which is cool because um, it's that thing of like, can you? Fit, often these are not insignificant things. It's like an extra thirty points. So it does mm. change what you can fit in your list, I guess. It's I just want more my, flavor uh, and variety. I, I just want my uh, my my mech suit Gilliman, right? Because that's what Morven Val is. She's my mech suit Gilliman. She's supreme commander, and she's gonna batter you with her spear and or heavy bolter. I I like the fact they've got a character like that for sis. I mean, they got they had the saint anyway, I guess Saint Celestine. But she's just like more superheroes in the 41st millennium i'm all about that sort of stuff i love that mm. like i love that single hero aesthetic that they have going on with certain people and uh, like gulliman dominated for too long bringing in people like trajan having the silent king bringing the primark i like the big hero a lot of people are against it i really mm. like the big hero piece in 40k kato sicarius yeah, yeah <laughs> you're adventurous yet yeah. i agree yeah. <laughs> I kind of just love the idea of Hero Hammer, just like as a concept. <laughs> I mean, you kind of play that anyway, right? With custom. Yeah. It's sort yeah. of what you it's do. Like, I just love buying nameplates. It's just my favorite <laughs> thing to do. And it's cheaper if I do it with custodies. I want to see Alex do a guard army with nameplates. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I would do that. Like, I would totally would do that. But, like, the issue for me doing a guard army would be the painting of all of it. Because, like, yeah. I wouldn't. I'd, okay, basically. This is uh, what Sandman was talking about earlier when he said, um, like, oh, Alex, you predict stuff. Like, I said Tanith would come out, like, a year ago. And, uh, yeah, Tanith are now coming out. That's a whole we thing. We were like, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you just wait. Um, but, yeah, like, if Tanith come out as, as an army, oh, that's going to be really hard for me not to, to do To be that. fair, that one you could do because you could just go through the books, right, and just take, keep... They must mention a lot of names over the course of, what, 11-something books? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the issue media. would then be, like... The issue then would be painting 150 guardsmen. Contrast. Like, you would die. Mm. Yeah, contrast. I would die. It still takes ages. I'm doing 25, and I'm losing a wall to live with it. <laughs> yeah. I can believe I mean, that. So basically, <laughs> are we, contrast. Are we, are we all ages. coming to the conclusion? Are we all coming to the conclusion that what we need is the name generators put back into the codexes so that uh, Alex can generate names for his nameplates? That, yes. that additional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think they should. I think they should ask Quipster to do the name generators. I reckon he'd enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> I might, I might buy Quips to the Guard Army if Tanith come out just to see him do it with nameplates. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Be ready for oh, it in 2032. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. It's just me sitting there for hours at a time just like, that's one leg. That's, that's a boot. <laughs> Although, actually, actually, Liam, you have brought up a, a very good point. I haven't brought this up on the podcast for at least a while, which is that when you buy Quipster <laughs> models, he, he, he often doesn't, doesn't paint them, do you, Quipster? I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. So what's the what's the what's the offending article this time around? I bought Quipster Lysander for Christmas, and he still hasn't painted him. It upsets me. It upsets I'm getting me. there. I'm getting there. But as soon as I finish these Black Templars, 
You'll it's you'll get you'll trip. go on a tangent. We we know you. <laughs> <laughs> why no, why are you painting black like, Templars? Wait, he painted black Templars, so, but actually painted Ultramarines. They're part of that. Okay, so basically, um, okay, I'm gonna we're just gonna skip into my hobby progress now because yeah, guys, thank you. Yeah, just do that. But uh, so basically, the reason I've just painted three Ultramarines um, is because I'm currently making a tutorial for a buddy of mine uh, about how to get into Warhammer. Um, and he was just like, oh, you know, I want to, I want to start Black Templars. I was like, dude, that's a great idea. Um, I will make you a tutorial of how to paint Black Templars. And I've been making this tutorial for like two months now. Uh, and it's taking a really long time. And I'm now just getting to the point in the video where I start painting them. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. What's the intro? Is, is it? Is like it you, are you getting ready? That. Doing your hair? Half, that's half why it's taken an hour and a half of film time. Because <laughs> no, no. So like everything up to now is this is the the stuff you need to buy. These are the this is how you prep models. Uh, like this is how you undercoat. This is how you uh, take Instagram selfies. This is how this is called glue. That will. <laughs> Yeah. yeah literally like basic stuff this like is how that. they make the glue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's the horse they use to make the glue just yeah literally and so just... the reason why i've got these three uh ultramarines is because um i was using them to show the three different stages of like a classic paint job so like the base layers the base and shade and the base layer and highlight um and since i filmed that part of the video i just finished off the models and just... reza uh... is starting an ultramarine army so i'm just gonna get into him uh, well, I'm going to say something that I don't, I didn't think I'd ever say. Well, two things actually that I didn't think I'd ever say. Um, first of uh, all, is that that ultramarine is a super nice paint job, and I don't like complimenting oh, you. you. I don't. It's not something I like <laughs> to do in public, but I feel like I need to because that's a really nice looking ultramarine. And the other thing, uh, unpopular opinion, is I actually think that it's nicer than your imperial fists. Like I think an army of those <laughs> oh. would look better on the tabletop. No. I don't, I, sorry, you sorry. Are, no, no, you are correct. You're a hundred percent correct. Um, it is, but also the reason for that is because um, I spent a long time just doing all the highlights and stuff on the Ultramarine, whereas the Imperial Fists are supposed to be, or they were supposed to be, my quick tabletop standard army. Oh no, they um, look so good. Just... They look really good. The, just, are... the Ultramarine just looks that next level of effort. Yeah. It's going to be Which really annoying because they're going to stand is. out so much from the rest of my crappy models. They're just going to look amazing <laughs> and then the rest of my shit is going to be like... <laughs> Quipster, you're, you're just king of making things pop. Like I don't know. I think I think that's the only word I have for it. You're just armies. Just like it's like they glow or something. I don't know what it is. Just fucking hell. That's a lot of yellow, isn't it? <laughs> it's called um, it's called photograph editing. Uh, that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> just boosts <the> saturation <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> to be fair, it's true. But like, what I, I I found as well is that like the style in which that I paint things is like quite high contrast anyway. So like the difference between the base or the mid-tone layer of the, of the yellows that I use and the highlight color that I'll use is like really far because I'll, I'll highlight yellow with like a, a light bone color. And so that, that's one of the things that like makes it quite pop. I it's think, a, it's anyway. a real it's a real typical Golden Demon style, actually. Uh, not Golden Demon, sorry. Mm. Um, heavy Metal style. Heavy, heavy Metal, metal yeah. uses really high contrast highlights and lowlights and, and shadows to make that yeah. real sort of stark difference between the two. Um, and it's I think it's quite different to realism type painting because it doesn't look mm. natural, but it does definitely add that pop to it. Definitely in Heavy Metal technique. Um, yeah. You see it everywhere in the codexes, like real, real yeah. high contrast highlights just to show off the highlight, basically. 
Exactly. But they and are like, good. That's... Like the, the Imperial Fists are good. I'm being harsh. They're nice. <laughs> but I just think the Ultramarine's nicer. And I was like, oh, that's a shame that yeah. he's done a single model that's nicer than the rest of his army. <laughs> there, there, there's there's so battle report. Vengeance for the Imperial Fists by taking on the Crimson Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> we actually haven't played that yet, have we? No, and I don't have a good win record against you at the moment. It's not great, is it? No, <laughs> no, it's not great. It works me a little I, bit. I, mean, I remember watching that Harlequins bat rep, Liam, and uh, against uh, against Mister Mister Quipster, and I was a bit like, "Come on, Liam, come on!" Oh no, it's all gone wrong. <laughs> I I genuinely went into that game very confident because the the games, <laughs> I've been, like, the games I've been playing with Quins until then, they've just they just decimated whoever I'd played. I was like, "This is I'm enjoying this army. This could be my." And then I played I played. Quipster, and I don't think I've got them out again <laughs> since then. <laughs> Genuinely, though, like when we were laying out the armies for that for that one, like I looked at I looked over the Harlequins. I was like, oh, there's a lot of speed here. There's a lot of models on the board. Like I'm gonna have some serious problems here. I don't know how I can win. I lost two models in the game. Now when I build lists like the Necrons, I genuinely have one eye sort of glancing over at the Custodes Codex. Like as long as I can beat those bastards and I'm happy. They are they are the gatekeepers, yeah. aren't they? Losing too much that's yeah. like my game against Adam. I I think I only killed like three of his models. And I was like... It was Motari and two greater demons, but still. <laughs> I think I think I took like what, three or four wounds off Motari? Yeah, you, you took about you took about three or four wins off Mortari, and, and you no, you killed you killed like a bunch of you killed like a whole. Oh bunch no, of I called a, I called a whole pox. Yeah, well, I didn't count. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> my whole army's gone. And, and, like, some Terminators. Sanguinius feels a bit venerated there. <laughs> oh man, my my, my poor blight lords, poor boys. That was, Actually, that saying this, was I was going to say if we're if we're talking about games played as well, because I, I forget. Like, now that we're out in the world a little bit, we can actually, like, go and play games with people. So, yeah, I've done one of those as well. Um, I played a guy called, not Rich, uh, I believe his name was Will, for, like, a learning game. Uh, Sorry, you played a guy called Not Rich. <laughs> I listened to the last podcast, and I'm, I'm still getting over that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I played this learning game against, uh, against him, and, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, just kind of getting back into the flow of like playing a full game. Wait, you know who, I mean? who like, was learning? Were you learning? Yeah, who he was, was learning? learning? Both? Who was learning? Kind of both of us, because I'm still okay. figuring out how like Space Marines work as an army. So this is like, a super interesting. This is a super interesting yeah. topic right now. I'm not trying to hijack your podcast, but this is a really <laughs> interesting topic that Chris and I have been talking about a bit on the ECP as well. You both were learning, right? And I guess like a lot of people will be in that boat now because Ninth launched during COVID. How did you find it? considering ninth is relatively new to you and the army as a codex is relatively new to you considering that that codex is also a ninth edition codex yeah i mean it's not that bad um i'm used to um like it, it's helpful that i'm used to like playing warhammer in general um but yeah the core mechanics of ninth edition are easy that's the easy bit the difficult bit is remembering the things in your codex and it was just like you were saying uh, on the Endless Cacophony podcast, which everyone who's listening to this should also go and listen to. Um, nice, good work. <laughs> I plug. thought that was a quite smooth plug. Yeah, right it was there, a smooth transition there, yeah. Uh, and yeah. saying that's made it even smoother. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, all the complexity that I'm trying to remember and the things I need to break down are the things that are in the codex. And 
Um, like against uh, Winters in the last bat rep I did, I put together a, a spreadsheet of like all the strats that applied to my army and my, okay. m- or my list. And I was like, right, okay, these are the phases and these are the turns in which I can use these things. And so literally just every phase, I'm looking at the, the spreadsheet and being like, oh, I can use this. Do I need it? Maybe not this time. So it's it's just about like creating these little aids for yourself, I think, especially when you're like building or like playing with a new list, so that you just remember everything. It's just like having the cheat sheets there. But, but do, it's do not you not too do, bad? Do you not think that that in itself potentially is a negative for the hobby in general? Because I, so we've had this discussion actually mm. in the DZTV Discord this morning. Like I said, Chris and I spoke about it a bit. It's it's hot topic for winters at the moment, but mm. I think. A new player coming into 40k now in ninth edition and picking up one of the new. Imagine a new player who who came into games actually. Well, actually, the admech aesthetic is the thing that I love. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Uh, that's gonna be my first codex. I think they're gonna maybe really struggle with the level of complexity that exists. I'm not saying I'm against it. Like I'm. I like the narrative mm-hmm. complexity. I like the fact that some of these mm-hmm. extra rules that exist tell a story for that army and, and sort of match the narrative. But I'm also a seasoned 40k player, so like you, I find it's relatively easy to keep up with it. I think for newer players, it can be super daunting right now. And well, I think that may be a negative. It's a massive learning curve. Last, 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 yeah. the last episode of the podcast, we actually discussed this. Um, it was that, yeah, it was actually the second half. We the, the question was, is 40k getting too complicated? And uh, I have an idea that I want to push to GW, which is that, and I think I think it sounds. To, to, to try and help with this, Liam, because I'm I'm with you, and I think that I think that I'm the same, and that I I would actually have the game get more complicated as somebody that just lives and breathes 40k. But I understand the game's not just about me, so I actually think um, they have tried to do as best as they can. What I think would really help, and I know it might sound like a little thing, is just like one page in the rulebook mm. that says. Um, or when you start the game, when when some when someone is, is starting 40k, they go down a list and they the first game, for example, they just use data sheets. The second game, you know, and the second game maybe they add in um, faction rules and then they eventually add in relics and warlord traits and then strats. And I know that sounds like an obvious thing, and I'm sure if you play anybody from Games Workshop, they do that automatically. That's probably that's, they would do that. that without that's literally the way my GW yeah. store manager taught me. He, right. I, I turned up and and it was weird, it was quite funny because um, sorry to interrupt, but I had been watching Winter's back reps before, and for some reason I think I actually saw Brom play Liam, and I knew that uh, Ultramarines fall back and shoot. So when I turned up to Storm, I was mm. like, but my blue guys, they fall back and can, they can fall back and shoot. And he was like, mm. yeah, you're already like one step ahead of lesson. I was like, yeah, I know. So yeah. keep going. <laughs> so I, I remember listening. It was really, I, I really got on board with that idea. Yeah. So I think, I think that it would really help to have that in. And I know it might seem obvious because a lot of people might do that anyway, but I think it would work really well to actually put that in writing and have that as like, a, just like one page so, in a yeah. rule book or somewhere. I think that would be really huge. So what, so what you're saying, I mean, if if an experience... So I, I'm soon to be teaching my brother. My brother has not been playing 40k for years. He's just got back into the hobby. He started to build himself up an army. So what you've just said is exactly how I will approach it when I teach him. Exactly that way. So we'll start off with data sheets only. We'll probably avoid monsters and vehicles and stuff like that and just go with very basic detachments, small, learn the sort of core mechanics. And I will scale it up until five, six, seven games down the line. He's then using stratagems and stuff. But which is great, but I know I know how to do that. I know how to manage that because I know 40k. Whereas if we had two brand new players, I think that's where your page comes in because it will say to you, look, if you're two new players, just start with this right now, and then 
open this bracket and then open this bracket and then open this bracket. Mm. It's, just, it's just interesting hearing Alex's experience as, a, as an experienced 40k player playing a new edition with a new codex, how he found it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, the only real irritating thing at the moment, especially with like a new army, is that we're only just coming out of lockdown. So, like, and this is the thing I said last week in the podcast. Like, by the end of eighth edition, I had played about fifty games with custodies, and I could basically recite the codex forwards and backwards. Like, I didn't have to look up anything, mm-hmm. and so it's just about getting the reps in. So that you can yeah. just be like, right, I know what all of these things are, basically. I think I think one other thing, which is a potential um, issue there, because as you said there, Liam, you're like, yeah, what if someone comes in and they say, uh, you know, oh, I just love Admech and I want to play Admech. The, the thing that I've heard quite a lot, and I guess it makes sense to all of us, is that Games Workshop are really encouraging people to buy Space Marines because mm-hmm. Space Marines are designed as the beginner army, which does work quite well. The problem is that doesn't capture everybody because some people, exactly as you say, just go, like, oh, sisters, they look cool, or, or whatever it's going to be. And that could potentially be a problem because if you are if you don't want to start on Space Marines, but you're expected to, how are you going to learn? <laughs> so that's, a, that's a, the exact topic we were talking about this morning, actually, where... Um, individuals so i was talking about the the ab complexity possibly being negative uh, for new players and someone said well that's not the starter army the starter army is space marines and you wouldn't expect a new player to p- pick up thing like ab or, or gene studio cults and i thought my argument to that was uh, and the guy's right like to to, to go on record the guy's 100 percent spot on with what he's saying space marines is the sort of gateway drug i guess as games workshop are pushing them and then you go on to more complicated factions but what i said to him was if you've got young tommy at, at, at 14 15 years old who comes into games <laughs> workshop and the the genius to the cult law and aesthetic is the bit that he really adores and that could on, be Tom. the bit that hooks him into the ho- hobby <laughs> and then and then he's told now nah, you don't want to start with those you want to start with space marines we well, might not want to start with space marines he <laughs> might end up going home with a box yeah. of models that actually he didn't really want and potentially you could lose a customer because he's gonna go oh, oh no actually I'm not interested now i wanted to do this i want to go down this other direction so I get it. Like I said to you, like like we said at the start, right? I I'm into complexity. I like complexity. Winters hates it. I love it because I love the way that <laughs> it can tell extra narrative, or, you, or it could take. Again, it's that piece for me where you can have five players who play the same army and can go in multiple different directions and how their army mm. performs and plays and what units they use and what combinations they use and the narrative that they can tell for their force. But it just genuine. Like eighth was amazing for bringing new players into the game. We had a huge spike in new players on 8th launch, especially when we were in indexes. Um, and although I don't want to go back to that, I'm just concerned we're almost too far the other way now with the new eight, with the new ninth edition codexes. I don't know. I don't know it's, if I've got a perfect solution. It's one of those things I'll probably talk about for the next 12 months. <laughs> yeah, because I guess... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, it's, it's an incredibly difficult balance to strike, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's, the, that's mm. the problem because... Uh, and to Ed's point about when we talked about this the other week, you know, my sort of view on it was that the, the core rules of the game, so what you need to know to actually be able to play the game, are pretty much there, right? You know, it's like you say, like the like mm. 8th edition and ninth is a variation and improvement in some ways on 8th. Um, those core rules to actually be able to play it are fairly straightforward. All the complexity is coming, as you say, from the army books. And... I totally get why it is a difficult balance because like if, if someone for example like you say there that example of you know little Timmy comes in wants to get GSC right you have to be up front and say look they are a complicated army right yeah. but the complication reflects like maybe the way to, to talk about it is like the, you know, the complication reflects what you like about it 
right? If you like yeah. the GSC lore and you like the Admech lore or you like, you know, whatever whatever faction, the complication comes from trying to kind of reflect that in a game. And like my other half says all the time, like one of the reasons she doesn't really want to play Warhammer very much is it's too complicated. So there's too many rules, right? It's it's a, it's a completely valid criticism that, that you get all the time. But it is just such a difficult balance to strike. And if we want rules that are fluffy in that they reflect the way the faction is supposed to work in the narrative i think we sort of have to accept a level of complexity Mm. and then when you're getting new players into the game like i think just making ourselves available for people who are more experienced players making ourselves available to actually like do those learning games and also accepting mistakes Mm. that's the other that's the other big one as well like if someone turns up with with gene stealer cults or with with sisters with even with drakari right you know these these have a lot of overlapping rules and they say oh you know i haven't really played many games with this like yeah fine you're gonna get stuff wrong that's okay like that's fine check your codex go back check all your little data cards like if that's what you need to do to learn the army and you need to make mistakes then boom go for it like don't don't hold it against people that do it because that i think more than anything else is what will drive away you know new players if they're if they're doing it and if there are things that you recognize that they're doing that you you know that's not how the rule works like just you know if you're going to correct somebody be gentle about it right like don't go like no no i'm sorry that's not actually how ninth edition like because you're just gonna actually look like you a bastard dick. that's how it yeah. works yeah uh, you're trying <laughs> you've to both cheat, been to my local you know? games workshop as well have you <laughs> 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 but but you're right though. Like I I think I think you're 100 percent spot on. I think in terms of getting that balance, I don't think they'll ever get it right because I don't. You can please. There's a there's a phrase that exists, right? You can please some of the people some of the time. You can't please all of the people all of the time. And Games Workshop will never be able to release a rule set that simplistically pleases everybody. So if they were to change to 10th edition and go back to that super simple launch of 8th, a load of people would be happy. And a load of people who like the complex law side would go, oh, this is a bit dull and boring and tedious now they're never going to get it right and i think actually i think you've hit a, a, a real sweet spot there by sort of suggesting that it's up to the community to get the new players involved and help them and, and teach them and learn mm. um i've i've been at events um ranking semi-high up the table and have let people change what they've done halfway through a turn because they've realized they've forgotten something i made a mistake like that's how i like to play the hobby i think the more people that play that way the more encouraging it is for those people to learn the complex rules and to get involved with different factions and different armies. Like, I can't, I can't agree with you anymore. To be quite honest with what, what you just said, like I think that's spot on. I mean, me and me yeah. and Rich to, to give a salient example. Me and Rich are supposed to be at the very least vaguely experienced players. And let me tell you, our game, like to, to your point about Crypto, you know, coming back in ninth launch during COVID <laughs> and doing what is essentially a learning game. Our game, my God, the amount of things we had to go like, oh shit i forgot this or oh like, wait, why did i drive my atv mm-hmm. so close to your terminators i'm still thinking about it now like why would i do that they're literally <laughs> just, i'm like they're designed to shoot in my head i was like i'm blood angels attack everything move close charge and then i'm like they died by terminators get punched i'm like why did i do that and literally like i, I like to stratagems like, i just forgot to use some and i'm like oh god it's not playing for, it's like yeah it's literally getting their reps in you got you got transhuman in. That's the one that that's the one that Yeah, matters. yeah. Right, yeah. You were like, right, transhuman. I need that. I remember that one. <laughs> My one strat. It's oh, that's okay. interesting. It's interesting from a content creator's perspective as well. Like I, so uh, I'll I'll tell you now. Saturday coming, Brom and I are filming our first game back on the horse battle reports for DZ. Right, it's the first nice. time we're back in the studio Woo! in the new studio filming. 
which I'm excited about and also dreading at the same time because <laughs> I I like I'm I'm very glad that it's going to go on DZ and not on YouTube because I, I we're going to make mistakes. There's going to be errors. Brom and I have played a lot of 40k in eighth edition. We played some in ninth. I'm guaranteed we're going to make errors. And sometimes, I mean, even from a content creator, YouTube can be really daunting with people going, I think you're fine, you did that wrong, and you've got it all wrong, and you should just never make another video ever again, ever. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Look, we're trying to we're entertain you. Comments. We're trying. <laughs> but it, so, like, that whole attitude, if we can, I think if we can focus on removing that attitude from the hobby, just accepting the fact that it's a complex system and yeah. people make mistakes. Like, so what? Let, let it happen. Let people make mistakes because that's how they learn. And if, like, I've had some wonderful comments on YouTube that have pointed out errors and, and shown me why it's wrong, and I'm like, cool. I'm all for those. Like, I'm I'm happy to learn from errors and mistakes, but just just be nice about it at least. <laughs> like, yeah, just I be mean, a decent I mean, human about it. It's been interesting for us when we've spoken to. Um... Uh, you know mikey and adrian and like, anyone who does the stream because obviously with you guys like, name drop name doing, drop. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Name but like but but it's interesting right talking from the content creation perspective because obviously you guys do you you know you film it you edit it and then you, you're putting it up you're not doing the the live stream side and it was interesting to hear from them on the live stream front right because then they get the, not only do they get the people commenting underneath the video once it's up you get people in the chat potentially who could be like you know it, the potential is there for someone to be a real dickhead at the time, right? And just go, oh, you get that wrong. <laughs> and it is actually interesting that it seems to be in a lot of cases there, people are almost more supportive because they're watching it in the chat and they're just like, oh, you know, hey guys, you got like three sixes there, they explode. Like, you know, just yeah. FYI, right? So mm. I just, it, as you say, it's down to us. It's down to the community and it's down to how we approach it. And I think, you know, if we can be supportive of new people and experienced people making mistakes, like, yeah, if someone's, you know, cheating blatantly yeah you know, as has happened mm. absolutely talked about it then <laughs> that's a different matter and you know even yeah. then don't be a knob to someone but still you know, talking call about it your out game of which yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was he, he had a, he had a bit of he had a bit of obscuring terrain he was just rolling the, no he was he, of course not um but you know what i mean like if people are doing that then you know there are ways of calling that out but but be supportive like be supportive mm. and and you know support your local content creator as well um you know and be be supportive of of, of liam and, and whoever else Oh, you could be horrible to me. I don't really care, but in general, <laughs> right, you should be, be nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just be nice to be Winters, nice to right? Liam, let him have it. See, this is the thing as well. Like, you guys have all seen the comments I get whenever I'm in a video with these guys. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the moment where I really screw up a rule and then just the comments turn on me. Right? As long like, as you grin I'm and wink at the camera, you'll be fine. Like, let's see. And take off your shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything's fine. Yeah, when you when you get your chaos army, you just turn and you're like, "That's uh, death of the false emperor." Um, and yeah, everyone will just let that kind of let that go. Adam, Adam, this is Adam. This is a podcast. They can't see you do that. Yeah, but we can see it. We can see it. Important part. Very sexy wink. Can confirm was turned on. Um. I don't even. I forgot what we were talking. Oh yeah, hobby progress. Ed, how's it? How's your hobby going? <laughs> <laughs> we are nothing um, if not a professional outfit. Yeah, uh, I feel. I feel like yeah, not, not too much really. I haven't done too much model wise. I mean, I I will say as I said last week, I currently have like thirteen vehicles on the painting table, so it is gonna take a while to chew through those. But um, more generally, I guess um, big one is goblite. Uh, has has come out now, which is very very exciting. I I bought all three because I was ah oh, I listen to Dark Imperium and Plague War again, see so, you know, see the changes, but I just couldn't stop myself, so I started Goblite. Um, so I just want to know what happens. 
I well actually yeah on a similar thing I guess I started the uh, started the Admech uh, video, um, which was really fun. Um, I really like the Admech rules. I think that they are they are they are maybe of the armies that have come out so far. I think they would probably be my favorite way to play, my favorite army to play, because they have so many so many tricks and at the same time they play the game so well. Um, which is really good. Need to edit that video today. Um, get that out. Which is, yeah. So by the time this is out, head on over to my YouTube channel. There you go. Selfless plug. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on like how much your Godblight? Because I'm I the first two books I probably read were Plague Wars and Dark Imperium, mm. and I really enjoyed them. So don't, yeah. don't spoil any of it. Yeah, there, is it good? There is, <laughs> there in, yeah, I mean, in terms of spoilers, there's some, there's some, there's some big stuff. Um, there's oh, some really, really, really big stuff from from the off. I mean, I don't know. Can we spoil how Plague War ended? It was quite a while ago now. I, 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 mean, I would, yeah, but it's not yeah. the new so, one. I, I'm happy to so, spoil the old one. So, for for, yeah. for example, well, well, it's yes, I'm assuming it's, it's the, the same way. Okay, cool. Yeah, pl pl I'm assuming so. Plague, Plague War ends. Uh, for, if you haven't read it, um, listeners, with uh, Rebute Gilliman fine, reading a copy of the um, uh, the Levitio Divinitatis, um, and so yeah, there's there's some really really well, wow, there's actually just a massive conversation around deities and 40k, and it's uh, pretty cool between some characters, which is I really fun. I think I listened to that while working. Yeah. Um, well, I should say while working next week, just because you know, I do work with just thinks I listen to audiobooks while I'm meant to be working. But, you know, listen to it <laughs> when I can next week. Uh, I'm cutting that bit out. Um, <laughs> uh, Hello, human resources. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Um, oh, yeah, I do hobby as well. So my hobby progress is... Um, <laughs> What have I done this week? Oh, I painted a heavy weapons team. So I've put down the first of the blue artillery like, uniforms. Because, I uh, don't know if you know Liam, but oh. I'm doing an, a guard army. And it's all based on uh, British uh, in the Pensanilia Wars. Okay. So I've got... Like, I mean, I knew you were doing a guard army because I've been seeing it on Instagram, but... You flirt. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so I've got all that red coats and then also doing the artillery because the artillery men during that time wore blue uniforms. So I did the first heavy weapons team in the blue uniforms. Quite are you using Cadians for it though? You are, aren't you? Yeah, but I've got a head swap. Yeah, yeah. So, I thought I thought you um, were doing. So they How much does it annoy you, or does it annoy you that you have to use Cadian models? I like. Uh, so I wouldn't mind Mordians being more accessible because that would fit really well. Yeah. However, mm. I like the way that the Cadian models have the armor armor on it because it does make it kind of fit in more 40k at times. Yeah, so okay. I kind of made it work for me. Uh, but I would like to have the option. Um, there was uh, years ago, quite well. <laughs> years years ago, now, I think it might have been fifth edition. There was a, an event, and the guy had was it um, Praetorians or something like that. They used to have they like used to have the proper mm. like helmets and stuff. And he had a two thousand point infantry based. I mean, it's all lead infantry based army of that stuff, and it just looked proper like Zulu. It looked amazing, and it just makes me really sad that we've got derpy looking catachins or cadians is our only options but of course cadians have had a complete model refresh oh no wait no just an upgrade spree that's all they got yeah just an upgrade spree maybe i would i would like more options just to make it a bit fresh but with the like the head swaps i've got i've got um it's i mean they're gonna wear out eventually because when i get like, i don't know how many i'm gonna guardsmen i'm gonna eventually do 120 or whatever millions millions uh, it's gonna be the same like male head one male head two female head one female head two just throughout the army so um i got to work with the whatever i've got and figure out but that's 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 what i've done um oh well, so i've primed a bane blade and me and ed have been talking about how we're gonna have a bane blade off when he finishes his one 
Yeah, that's going to be cool. Is yeah, there? Is there? Game. So what? In the in the realms of forty k units, one of the most forty k units in the world is a Baneblade. Is there a more forty k unit than a Baneblade? A Baneblade infested with gene stealers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know. Uh, oh, I, I'm thinking like a no, but that's I'd like chain something with a chainsword. Kind of also feels very 40k, doesn't it? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Mm. I mean, yeah. No, but Baneblade, Baneblade's up there. But Bain it's Blade's, still. It's a classic. It's a classic. It's um, like um, Carnifex. Which, classic. Yeah. The thing is, I'm still trying to come up with a good name for it because Adam had a really good idea for a name. Because I want to name him after like I was thinking like you know how HMS victories of you know the boats or whatever. It doesn't quite work with the Emperor, so I need to think about like what, what? I want to name my tanks. And Adam so had a my, go on, Adam. Yeah, my my suggestion, given that this is uh, finally putting that history degree to good use, um, the, given that this is this is Peninsula War themed, um, and it's a it's a Bane Blade, I thought he could give it a name that is both serious and can be a funny nickname, which is you could call it George Augustus, um, and the nickname could be the Fat Prince um, because he was the he was the Prince Regent. Uh, at the time when George the Third went a bit loopy uh, and went on to be George the Fourth, and he was he was known for being a bit rotund in his day, so he was he was the Fat <laughs> Prince, which I think could be quite a fun name for a Baneblade. Here's my Fat Prince. He's now going to shoot you a lot. It works. That so it works really well. I didn't realize how big a Baneblade was until I got it, and then I took out the box and I put <laughs> it I put it up against my head. I was like, Dad, look at this tank, and he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's the biggest. Yes, it, my my favourite thing I, is just to take pictures of it next to the cat. That's that's. <laughs> I haven't played with it yet. That's that's the thing I've used it most for. <laughs> just don't tell anyone that you also have a small cat. Yeah, <laughs> true. I wouldn't do that. Also, near Loki, Liam, Loki destroy it. Liam, wasn't there that time you went to a competition in eighth edition and you just bought three super heavies? I had a Bane blade, a shadow sword, and I had a storm. Is it storm lord with the Vulcan megabolt thing on the front? Then I took yeah. two Lehman Russes, a Psyker. Um, and that was about it, really. An officer, I think. That was pretty much Triple the army. Shadow Sword used to be a thing, didn't it? I think when I when I first started the game, that was a that was a bit triple. Sh- so we, it was a team event, um, and Triple Shadow Sword was definitely the stronger option. But I didn't want to take three Shadow Swords, so I built three different variants just 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 for the <laughs> event. Quite literally, bought three Banebade variants just for this tournament. And it was a team event, so we had we had four players, and we, you could pretty much guarantee for a four player, or we, you could pretty much guarantee at a four player team event, every player would have a team that had knights in. In with um, mm-hmm. not the court, not the Valiant. What's the other one called? Um, Castellan. Yeah, thank you, the Castellan. So um, I turned up with my Shadow Sword list as the anti knight list, um, and we also had a knight player in our army. So we were that horrible team who basically had two super heavy armies because in a team you couldn't have two of the same codex. So players would go, "Oh, we're, we're going to put our knight player forward." I'm like, "Sweet, I'll take that on with my Shadow Sword, and then we'll drop Brom's knight list." And what you're going to give us to eat that with? <laughs> We were horrible people. Um, and I, I successfully blew up three Castellans that event that weekend. That was quite satisfying with the Shadow Sword. Nice. But yes, three guard super heavies in a list was my list for an 8th edition tournament. And I don't regret it at all. I mean, it looked <laughs> amazing. You made no friends in that whole tournament. <laughs> no, no you, know, you know it's bad when you spend... I mean, it's like my first date with my, with my wife, right? You spend the whole weekend just saying sorry. <laughs> That's when you know it's a bad event. So, sorry. I'm Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So judging by the uh, the last podcast, I thought that was your wedding night. <laughs> yeah. It, no, it was just one. Sorry, then. Just, just one. A quick one. <laughs> yeah, it's a really short. Sorry. Sorry. Done. Back to the bar. 
Right, so I think I'm gonna. I actually want to pass over to Anna for this one because um, we've both been watching. I'm afraid of deep end. Don't worry, you'll get it. Will make sense in a second. Uh, but um, <laughs> Tomb World, we're both big fans oh, yes. of what's happening. Uh, so, um, Adam, what, what do you want? I, I think this is brilliant. I don't know. We what you want to add to it? <laughs> well, yeah. All, all I was going to say is um, it's it's a bit of a weird one because this is both a bit of a a, a fanboy moment and also um, a a question, I guess, which is that. Um, for anyone who's listening who hasn't yet seen this, um, get yourself over to the Deployment Zone, uh, deploymentzone.tv, and check out Tomb World, which is um, the collaboration between uh, Deployment Zone and uh, Play on Tabletop, uh, based over on the west coast of Canada. And they have put together um, an absolutely amazing crusade campaign. I think it's one of the best showcases, I must say. There's a, you know, there's, there's, in the world of online battle reports there aren't that many that do crusade and not only do uh, play on uh, deployed not only is this series does it does crusade um you know to start with as the basis they do it very well and it's very narrative it's very kind of um there's lots of effects there's lots of cool mechanics as well because you've got uh, jt mcdowell with his beautiful beautiful voice um as the uh, as the sort of games master alongside uh dctv's very own winters um who is also one of the games masters adding in all these interesting tricks and effects um that, that affect the games but essentially it's been a brilliant um journey with uh, space marine steve nick Fro- playing the Tau, uh, Tycho playing the Death Guard, and we've had Tak playing the Necrons, um, which has been awesome. And uh, Season 1 has just come to a conclusion. I won't spoil what happens. Go and check it out. But I guess um, my question for you, Liam, is what's next? What's what's next on the drawing board? I mean, I assume we have a Season 2, but have we got anything more? Have you, have you seen lots of people making these comments about how much they enjoy this? Because I certainly know Rich and I are massive fans. So um, I think actually, I think it's the first half of season one that's finished. So uh, if that gets you excited, there's a guaranteed six additional episodes for season two, uh, which yeah, is right. Which is I, I don't know if it's called season two or if it's just the second arc of season one. I'm not sure yet um, where uh, where that's going to sit. I think it's the second half of season one. Um, so I remember when I when I came on um, the Conclave podcast previously, we spoke about it off camera. Um, we talked mm. about like the DZ model and Netflix, and we, we had basically agreed the deal with Play on at the time, um, but we weren't being public about it. Um, I was super excited myself, and when they first sent me through the trailer for the series, I thought that they had absolutely nailed exactly what we, it was we wanted from them. Uh, and to be clear, we didn't want anything specific from them. We basically said to Play on, go and be Play on, go and do your thing. Um, but just be conscious of the fact that our audience predominantly has a narrative focus and I personally think they've absolutely nailed it I don't well I see every episode about a day before everybody else does um, so they tend to typically send it to me maybe the Tuesday or Wednesday before it goes live on DZ and I binge it then <laughs> just to just before it goes up on the website just to make sure everything's good before you then upload it and I've been excited I've been as excited to watch it as the community has been excited to watch it and to be like to be clear I think that we potentially would want to just keep play on content in DZ forever because I just think it's so good. And if people want it, they just need to let us know. And and actually, for, for your listeners and subscribers that don't have a DZ account, if you head on over to play on's youtube channel that episode one and i think four of tomb world are on there for free so you can watch the two of the episodes for free and decide if you want to go watch the rest and if you do head on over to dzTV then we have opened up a seven day free trial for everybody as well so you don't even have to pay now to come in and start watching content you can get a seven day free trial and start watching tomb world and i i don't i'm very sorry winters 
but it's like my most favourite battle report content I've ever watched. The, the, mm-hmm. I, I like, I love the 40k and 40 minute series that they do anyway, and that was one of the reasons why we approached Play On in the first place because I spotted them and went, I really like those guys. I want to work with them. And then when they did Team World, I just think that that's for me. It's the the best, one of the best series I've ever watched. For I was goose pimples at times of things that were going on in in, in battle reports which i didn't think was possible because i've never had that before mm-hmm. and there's certain i'm trying not to put spoilers in there's certain things that happen throughout the series that i'm like i can't believe i'm getting excited by this for basically blokes playing with toy soldiers but i loved it <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was brilliant and it's really good to hear that like you guys really enjoyed it as well actually because it was a hell of a gamble because it's very different to what we normally put into to dz tv I think one of the things that obviously makes it stand out is is the game master. Is that something that you guys find you do often, even in your narrative games, or like not on um, DCTV? Do you often have a game master? So I think it brought, brings a lot, as, as Adam says. So for me personally, I, it's not something I've ever really done before. Um, Winters um, has, when he does his narrative series specifically for DZ he has an element of game mastering that exists within his narrative just so he can it just allows him to tell the story so we we did some experimenting really early on with easy team about how how is best to put together a narrative campaign and how is best to tell a story and so i think the very first series that that winters did was basically off you go play some games dice decide and and it happens as it happens and what we learned was Although that's fun and exciting, it isn't necessarily the best way to tell a narrative story throughout a series of six or seven games, with which um, Winters and Paul then launched the, the Death of Hope, I think was the next one. Or was it the Galmet? I think it was the Death of Hope was the next one. And what they'd done is they decided the story arc before they started playing. So they'd already had the story in mind, and then they started to put the games together. And obviously they can't control the result of the game. That just told the story to get to the final destination. And I think Wint has, has, has evolved from that, where he now has elements of game mastery, where he something will happen because it helps the narrative and tells the story and swings it in a in a direction. Still doesn't determine the outcome necessarily, but swings it in a direction. And actually, interestingly, if you've looked at the Warzone Charadon or Charadon, however you want to say it, books, Games Workshop are now suggesting that you have game masters in some of their narrative campaign books, which I think is a really good move. I mean, what's one of the most popular tabletop hobbies in the world? Dungeons and Dragons, who have a dungeon master. And they've essentially taken that principle and applied it to 40k. And I don't think that could be anything but good if you've got a, if you've got a person who's happy to be a game master. Yeah, yeah I, think, I completely agree. I, agree. I, think, I think it's, and you know, to talk about how it's evolved that, and I guess to plug plug DCTV a bit more, um, you know, the uh, the games that Winters has been doing with um, Support Bubble Sultan, with the mm. Sept of the Summer Lightning, with the Tau, have been, have been very much along that kind of, not having a games master as having a third person, but kind of, as you say, having a, a decision about what is the scenario we're playing. And it's not just... My army is two thousand points. My army is two thousand points. We sorry, your army is two thousand points. We meet on a battlefield and we have a fight. And here are some vague narrative things. It's like no, you're defending an airfield and there's only a limited number of you. And I've got an, an unlimited number of my army and they'll just keep respawning because it's representing the scenario. And there's been a few videos where I've I've like I've watched those, clicked on them, started watching them, and gone, how the hell is you know person A or person B gonna win this? 
and then you're like mm. oh okay i see how it's done like how the mechanics work so I, I i mean i really enjoy that i think that's a really good i love my competitive play but watching that kind of narrative is is awesome so more of that yeah more I, of that. I both i both love and hate winters for that type of content by the way. <laughs> and i mean that in the nicest possible way i love it because i love the way he does it the way he game masters these things the way that he engineers these missions where like you say you think how on earth has he got any chance of success and sometimes i guess sometimes the secret is you don't want them to have any chance of success which means if they have success it's all the better of mm. all the better victory and all the better narrative but to to get that balance i've tried historically um i think some of them were on youtube to do narrative scenarios that i've completely customized and it sometimes the balance is so skewed because i've got it so horrifically wrong and yet sometimes <laughs> he, he seems sometimes he manages to always pull it out his ass and get the balance spot on for, for now an and i that's why i hate him i'm like how can you just come up with a scenario that just sort of fits and works and is balanced and is exciting because I, I struggle with it. And I think that's a, if you've got people that you know in your gaming group that have got that real gift, give them the game master role and let them go to town on the narrative because I think you'll have the most fun. He When he puts a, a narrative scenarios together for him and I, I just let him run with it because he does it much better than I do, to be honest, which is why I hate him a little bit. When you when we talk about this kind of stuff, actually, it reminds me there are, there are two things. Uh, so number one, uh, if people actually, you know, take dztv up on this seven day free uh, free trial uh, just remember to start watching the fireside chat which is uh, an <laughs> excellent show run by a terrific human being um but also i've had a whole bunch of people leave shaking his head at me right drop, now drop, drop your abuse <laughs> in the comments on that one <laughs> um but yeah this this reminds me as well of, of a few people who have come to me and they've said yo dude champion of chaos campaign is like one of the best things i've ever seen like with in 40k like just because it was so narrative and you had you were sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time like oh my god what's gonna happen now like who's gonna get the upgrades like all this kind of stuff it's really cool um yeah it was super cool the genius um, was, the genius of the champion of chaos was that the, the we didn't game master that at all so we we, mm. we plowed some loose narrative and all we did was build a structure in terms of how characters upgrade how armies upgrade mission on mission rest and absolutely <laughs> which is interesting because we we basically decided when we started talking about champion of chaos we said you know what it's narrative in the sense that there's two chaos warbands fighting each other but otherwise we're just going to spend as many missions as we need to kicking the snot out of each other until we've got a winner that was the intent behind it and people have come to us much like the same comment you've just said it said this is a really like fun narrative campaign before jesus that was a secret recipe that we didn't expect to work as well as it did <laughs> so we got lucky with that one anyway sorry for interrupting well, you, with, with Champion of Chaos, you almost like proto Crusade, right? Like in many, many ways. If you think about what the the yeah. way that the Crusade system now works, you talk about like GW adopting this kind of thing with the Games Master. It's interesting, right? The Crusade system with the kind of upgrades and you know rolling the D six, you know, or, or picking depending on how you want to play Crusade. Um, it it, it kind of was a proto what has now come into the official rule set, which is quite interesting in and of itself right. in some ways. I have a theory, Adam, that Games Workshop are in fact DeploymentZone.tv subscribers, and uh, uh, they watch things like they watch things like I Champion of Chaos. Runs GW, I thought. I yeah, thought that, yeah, that's what's under that hat. It's just a tattoo of the no. Um, <laughs> but so uh, we, there's also drinks. a number of things we talked about. How going second sucked in in ninth edition, and then they brought out a fix for going second. And we talked about how in eighth edition certain armies had no ability to reserve units, and then in ninth edition strategic reserves became a thing. So. 
I, I'm pretty convinced that someone from Games Workshop is sub to DZTV and they tend to make decisions based a, on what uh, we say. a rival channel game tester listening in new ideas. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that yeah. may be, yeah. Uh, is there anything about Crusades you, you, you would change? I think Winter's had some strike, some quite strong opinions. Um, has uh, Have you guys kind of changed? I'm sorry, not that you and Winter's are the same person. Um, but uh, <laughs> has, has your opinion on, on, uh, on Crusade... Um, yeah, has it changed since kind of originally originally came out? So, based on pretty much the play on series, um, I've started playing Crusade, and it's how I've started to. It sounds like a a bit of an. It sounds like it's not doesn't quite make sense when I say this, but it's how I've tried to get back into Ninth Edition. Um, and although Crusade is more complicated because there's additional rules, um, you start off at a much smaller power level in terms of your games. So, so Brom and I have been playing twenty five power level Crusade games. Mm. Um, we haven't focused so much on the crusade rules right now in terms of the upgrades and stuff we've just basically uh, focused on playing the game and um uh, and we started it i started it because um playing were playing crusade and they were talking to us uh, and saying they were having a bunch of fun playing crusade so i thought well i hadn't originally never touched it because i'd watched rinter's review like i'm sure thousands of people did when it came out and went yeah i'm not interested in in that it's it's not for me since since i've been playing it I, I would go as far as to say I think there is maybe slightly too much complexity to... It's not even complexity. My biggest problem with Crusade is how you track everything. So it would be amazing if we okay. lived in a world where everybody had a little digital device and it was just super easy to press buttons and you could update data sheets and update stats and add rules in. I mean, we're probably years away from that, right? But if everyone had that little device, <laughs> I think Crusade could be a lot more manageable. But when you've got... I've got I've got Games Workshop's Crusade Journal. And when you have to write everything in pen and then you have to line through things and it just it's messy and it's hard to remember and it can be difficult to track... Um, and this again it's coming from an experienced 40k player um, but having said that now I've been giving it a go I'm enjoying the way that Crusade helps you tell your narrative it can help you develop units not just characters but units um, if I had to change something else apart from just the way that it's tracked I'd like to have more uh, emphasis on specific individuals climbing the ranks so I, be, I think it'd be super cool if you had a scout who became inducted into a tactical squad, who became a sergeant, and you could be playing 50, 60, 70 crusade games, and before you know it, the guy's a lieutenant, maybe a captain, perhaps he gets slain and he can be entombed into a dreadnought. I think they've missed a trick there by allowing individual people to... I don't know how you do it. Perhaps it's too complicated. Maybe they've thought about this and, and they couldn't do it. But I think uh, Brom's been looking at using Crusade with Thousand Sons. If he's got a sorcerer who performs particularly well and he wants to upgrade him to an exalted sorcerer, there is no way of doing that in the Crusade rules and keeping all of his battle honours and or battle scars. He would quite have to literally remove him from his roster and bring in a brand new exalted sorcerer who wouldn't keep any of those previous... Um, narrative sort of traits and I think that's a shame that's the piece that I think I'd like to see included in Crusade in the future where individual characters can not just level up but can promote within your force mm, that would be cool and we are getting uh, you know bits of that I guess Thousand Sons uh, are not too far away now as GW announced this the week but you can entomb uh, yeah from a scout to the character that's gonna i don't know that would be that would be fascinating i mean that would be fascinating but uh you can entomb a character in a dreadnought dreadnought i believe and yeah. uh yeah yeah um in the space marine crusades mm -hmm. rules that is in there um oh, cool and i stand can, corrected I, I believe the kind of because people come some people are quite unhappy because the chaos boon uh thing i think that is now a crusade thing yeah unless it is. I'm wrong. 
So, um, yeah. I well, I say it is. Prince, I think. It is for Death Guard. Chaos Boon is yeah. for Death Guard now, a Crusade only set uh, rule set. For Chaos Space Marines, we'll have to wait and see what the Codex says. Uh, but I mean, I, I think you could probably infer that they're going to go the same route as Death Guard. It would it wouldn't make sense mm. for Death Guard uh, to to take it as a Crusade only rule and for Chaos Space Marines to have it as a generic rule. I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're probably going to see that that's going to move into just Crusade as well. But I think which it's makes one me of those... super sad. It's one of those things, I guess, that it's, yeah, we only have the small part of the picture right now, which is um, obviously the codexes that we've got. So as we get more rules, it, it, it could be just re this really cool thing once everybody's got factions. Once you've got, you know, Drukari's doing their special torches, Death Guard doing their diseases, you know, I don't know what the hell Genius Lakota are going to do, but <laughs> that's something fascinating, I'm sure. I think, I think giving Games Workshop the time with Crusade is a key as well. So if you look at the earlier codex, like the Necron codex, it's not great for Crusade rules. You look at some of the later codexes, the Crusade rules are getting better. So they're learning. Mm. I think they're learning. I think they're realizing like that the they want to... <laughs> yeah, I think they want to do more with the Crusade rules. I think they want to use Crusade to tell more of a story. Death Guard and having their own sort of vectors and, and diseases shows, I think, that they're trying to mm. use Crusade to be super narrative. I think maybe they missed the Mark Necrons, but it was one of the first codexes. I think we can let them off that, if I'm honest, as long yeah. as they keep going in the right direction with their books and, and how they're going to sort of adapt Crusade to tell how a hive fleet consumes a galaxy mm. or how, in the future, how a tomb world will awaken rather than just you get 15 different names after the name think, Overlord yeah. because that's what Necrons currently have. I think one of the things I would love for GW to do, and this is like a, I think sounds like quite again quite a simple idea, but I think it could be huge. Which would I would love for them to make a, a page on their website or, in, or another page, website or whatever, where you can you can you know log in with your Warhammer account and you can put down your Crusade stories, and they could actually like run it as little competitions, and I think that would really encourage people to kind of go that bit further because I think that was one thing that um, they did really well at LWG was that they they actually had you know they had they, they gave you rewards for if you if you were actually writing your story so after my games I'd, I'd go home and I'd be like right okay so I lost this one I have to explain how this what has happened to my force in this story you know what you know these characters were injured so how is this all going to play out and I, I would love it if they did that like internationally and yeah. then you know you could vote on people's stories and you can, and then you know ultimately by the end of the year we could have you know games work could you know have a warcom article article or something and it would be like you know these are the you know these are the top 10 most voted crusade stories and then you could actually have the battles as they hand alongside them as well and that you could see the army lists and the rosters it could well, be cool. what you can do ed is you can run that in dz instead and then you can guarantee games workshop will employ it for 10th edition <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, fair enough. Or DZ, DZ can make it and then get some sort of copyright. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. I think it might be a good time to move on to, um, well, just all the announcements and releases they've, they've um, uh, announced the last couple of weeks. So you've got like the, the, the Warhammer Schools Festival, which is a, a festival just new video games. Uh, you've got uh, the, the AOS Dominion unboxing and also, uh, well, we'll start with this one because it will just get Adam even more aroused. Uh, it's the Sisters of Battle coming out, uh, their new codex. So, yeah, I on mean, a scale really, of one I'm... to a thousand, how excited? 
I'm very excited. I've already spoken about this, so I won't, I won't talk about it too much. Um, but yeah, no, very excited that they're finally coming out. And uh, I'll say finally. I mean, look, I can't complain. They were an end of eighth codex anyway. Um, they're really good. I just want to see what we get sort of upgrades wise for ninth and just how they change the army, like I said before. So, um, so yeah, no, uh, let, let's move on from the sisters because otherwise this will just become a sisters yeah. podcast. <laughs> so what are your thoughts of the, the AOS Dominion like, the box? Has everybody seen the, the unboxing and, and also the animation? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, the animation I, is pretty epic. I, I, I thought I was, I loved that. Um, I think that I'm, in fact, all of us are pr- in a pretty similar spot. Um, I, I do have an army and I've never played it. I think most people are like, I, I do want to get into AOS. The models, everybody says the same thing that the models look so good. But um, the Equipster has an army that will be painted in five or so years. Um, you know, <laughs> I, think that, I think that this could be the push. Um, I think that you know there are some rules improvements that I think a lot of 40k players would want to play in order to play AOS, but um, at the same time I think that having you know this this whole you know a, a new addition is it's not exactly but it's kind of like a rebrand right that's how the marketing team at GW will look at it and so that that should really help everything and the new box is awesome I think it's I, I don't know the, the value but they were talking about it like it's going to be one of the better value boxes they've ever done so and it's a lot of models so i don't know how if anybody knows how many models is in it i could look it up but i'm lazy <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks, yeah, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how many models are in it but it looks like tremendously good i mean you've got like a mm. full-on stormcast army plus their like centerpiece hero um and you know the the, the cruel boys uh who are the the orcs which i must say like i'm not a fan of the name I don't know why. I just call them cruel boys. I don't know. It just it sounds weird. But um, the 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 orc army in it, like these kind of like swamp orcs, they look so cool. They're such cool models. Thank They're you. Like... What? <sighs> there's there's a number of chats and groups I'm in that have said the, the new orcs for AOS don't look very good and they're not very Games Workshop. And I just think they're the coolest what? looking orcs we've seen personally. They're awesome. They are. They're like, they're I like get a, a very Lord of the Rings vibe from them as well. Yeah, which is I was going to say they're, they're, they're like a fusion. Much, yeah, they're like a fusion between like Lord of the Rings orcs, kind yeah. of more, I guess, like Warhammer fantasy orcs as well, with yeah. like the big red uh, shields, and then the AOS aesthetic. Like to me, they're like midway, midway between all of them. Like to me, they look like. Um, Oh god! You know, like the 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 Moria, not Moria. Sorry, the the Mordor orcs in Lord of the Rings, where they have like the they have like kind of the sharper armor, where they're not quite as big as the Urukai. They're still kind of kind of crunched over, um, but they're like that. Or even even although the films themselves were a little bit iffy, um, the ones that were in the Hobbit <laughs> that came from um, <laughs> uh, the ones that come from mm. oh god Angmar uh, from yeah Dol Guldur. No, Dol Guldur. No. Dolgadur's uh, the one in the forest. What's the fortress in the north called? Somebody correct me on my Lord of the Rings knowledge here. It's, I'm going to say Gundabad? No. Oh, Gundabad. 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 Yeah. That is the one. The Gundabad oh, yeah. orcs, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like, like they really fit that aesthetic. <laughs> well done, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, like, I won Thank that you. nerd off. <laughs> ten, my ten points. Ten points to Rich in our Lord, okay, Lord of the Rings quiz game. Um, but no, yeah, I think they look awesome. They look really cool. And it's also nice to see them do orcs in a slightly different way other than just mm. the like massive yeah, chunky guys and mm. I, I don't know if people know much about you know world that was know much about the um uh, why my fantasy battles but one thing that got me quite excited is uh, when they had the the hobgrots who are like the little kind of <laughs> grot attendants of the of these new orcs 
they put a, a little bit in i think i don't know if it's in the warhammer community article where they just talked about it in the preview but they said these guys serve other dark masters and they have slightly different armor to the rest of the orcs and they carry these little grenades that they throw which are not you know grenades are not a typical like orc weapon like little explosive sticks or whatever and a lot of people have been talking about chaos dwarves who were in um, who Forge were in World. Warhammer Fantasy? Yeah, but, yeah, were in Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy, were then in Forge World, and then just disappeared. Because Chaos Dwarves are one of those armies that people like have have like a bit like somewhat like Death Corps Krieg. They have an incredibly loyal but small following, um, and mm. they're fundamentally evil dwarves in massive hats. Which you know, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I, I think they are you know really cool models. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter you know what how they design them you know what they look like what rules they have all that matters is at the end of the day they have a cockney accent and that's that's you know all they need to deliver on um so there we go. <laughs> they are cool they're like I, I i am not an orc fan i've never really been an orc fan and i think part of that is because i've always had this like tolkien-esque vision of orcs mm. as how i think True. they should look uh, and mm. so for me the new orc model range that they're bringing out for aos or whatever they want to call them i don't really care that it fits that Tolkien, or it more fits that Tolkien aesthetic than it has previously. So I think that they could potentially be the first ever orcs that I would be tempted to pick up. I mean, the whole box looks incredible. The Sigma, they've changed some of the scale and some of the proportion in, in the, um, uh, what they're called, Stormcast Eternals as well. And I just think they look a lot better than they have previously as well. Like This is definitely one of those boxes that I'm going to buy and it's going to sit on the shelf, 100%. <laughs> See, it's it's funny Liam, you say that because uh, my 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 naming. I'm going to sound like a right knob here, which isn't hard, frankly. Just listen to me. Um, but um, the 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 naming thing in and jarring with the Tolkien-esque aesthetic is what is what I can't get my head round because the the whole like you know like hello we're the stabby boys like that kind of like like Cockney you know oh, we're gonna come round a corner and give you a good stabbing mate like all that nonsense I, I can get behind that for the the orcs right because they're the kind of like pe- you know do I look like a reasonable gentleman or a peppermint nightmare the first one wrong um that kind of thing oh like, I, I love that series that. <laughs> you're my hero <laughs> this is my zoo for animal offenders um, <laughs> it's it's oh. very much it's very much like that kind of aesthetic and i like that but when they did the more like as you say the more kind of almost like serious looking orcs who are supposed to be quite morky and quite kind of clever and intelligent i thought they would have like you know more serious sounding names for them but instead they're still like <laughs> i like i can't imagine a guy with you know, you know like, sort of, like meats back on the menu boys like that kind of orcish uh way of talking that they have from yeah. lord of the rings like that would want to go i am the killer boss like it just i don't know I, it just doesn't resonate for me but i'm weird well, and that's an incredibly niche complaint so please ignore no this is this is the thing like liam you were talking about this on the the podcast last week um with chris like this whole idea of orcs being essentially like the the comedy aspect of of Warhammer, I've never been that big a fan of that. Like yeah. the serious like threat of orcs and like them like eating people on the battlefield for fun, or, and like them just being terrifying and big and scary. That's the kind of like orc aesthetic and lore that I really enjoy, and I think really fits them better than like being the comedic value in the background kind of thing narratively for me orcs are supposed to be one of the biggest threats to the galaxy alongside the yeah. tyranids and there's there's exactly. there's lore out there that suggests <laughs> that if all the orc war bands were to stop fighting each other and were to band together actually the galaxy would be in serious trouble 
Um, and, and that, like the Beast Arises type orc narrative, that's the orc that I love. The immensely frightening beasts that, that that portrays is where I think orcs should be. Now, 40k for me, maybe I'm wrong here, maybe people disagree, but 40k for me is this grim, dark universe where it's nothing but evil and terror and humans live horrific lives just to survive day to day. That's the 41st millennium, that's the 40k universe. And then when you have these Charlie Chaplin orcs turn up, it just doesn't work <laughs> for me. For me, it doesn't fit. And, and like some people that. love it, right? That's fine. It just doesn't work for me. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just can't, on the AOS front, I just can't really, I like to think of, uh, you know, John Reese davis as Gimli in The Two Towers, you know, when he has that sort of confrontation with um, with Theoden, and he says he says to him, you know, about, oh, I've, I've fought in many wars, Master Dwarf, and he says to him, you know, these are no rabble of mindless orcs, but if you put it into the, you know, the AOS world, you know, these are no rabble of mindless iron jaws, these are cruel boys, their armour is thick and their shields are broad. Like, it doesn't, it, I don't know, it just doesn't have the same, like, re- re- resonance to it. No, I agree, absolutely agree, and it's a shame, because I think the model range looks super cool, and it maybe have been slightly mired by the name choices. But I'm with you. I, I agree with you. Having said that, the model range is super cool. <laughs> so I think I could we're, be tempted we're, anyway. We're still going to buy it, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Now might be a good opportunity to go on to our next stage and um, hand over to Alex with uh, the, the questions that we have well prepared. Yeah, there were a couple of questions that uh, people sent in from Instagram. And there was one, actually, Liam, that uh, kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um, And someone asked uh, about John from Visicast, actually. And he was just like, oh, are there any plans in the future to, like, collaborate with John from Visicast? And I'm pretty certain there are none. Um, But, like, A, that question... Working. Let's answer that question first, and I'll get to the second part of that. I am working. I say working super hard. That would be lying. I'm not working super hard, but I have been trying for a while to get John back into playing 40k. So ah, yes, for John, um, he when Visicast was uh, launched, when Visicast came to being, it was in seventh edition. Uh, John loved seventh edition. Um, eighth edition launched and he was excited by it and then he hated it as soon as he started playing it and part of the reason for that was the changes to his main force so john john's favorite army favorite force has always been ravenwing when eighth edition happened he couldn't run pure wave ravenwing as he did it just didn't exist anymore it was impossible um without without having without doing what i was doing with simon Hahn, basically and having about three command points for the whole game um, so he he stopped playing. He wasn't into it. He didn't love it at all. Um, and he's slowly but surely showing some interest into coming back into 40k. And he said a couple of times, "Oh, I could come over and maybe bring my Ravenwing, and we could perhaps film a game." I'm like, "Oh, okay. We we oh, might wow. be getting him back into it." <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not back into 40k. Well, you just offered to come and play for a bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe. so I'm trying dangling the little hook in front of him and trying to reel him in. But um, yeah, I wouldn't like to make any promises on John's behalf. I speak to him weekly, sometimes daily. He's thinking about coming and playing 40k. So I just need to get him over and start. It's it's just it's like that classic crack dealer. A little bit of plastic in front of him, mm-hmm. just tease him with a little bit, maybe a new model or something, and then that's it. Then he's in. He's hooked. A little bit for free, and then he's in. So I'm hopeful, but I, I don't want to make promises. I don't think we'll ever see Visicast come back as a channel i think that he didn't enjoy that experience very much um which some people when they when they sort of delve into the the deep wide world of youtube they don't enjoy it and and it can add pressures that people don't like etc so i I get it but i'd love to see him back on camera because john's great fun 
I do, He's a legend. I do now have this image of you, Liam, with a load of little white plastic bags, but in each of them there's just like little Ravenwing stratagems. <laughs> like it's just you going like, hey, come here, come here, John, John. Seen this, mate? Speed of the Raven. You fancy a bit of that, yeah? No, it's <laughs> it's not stratagems, as it's half a model. <laughs> <laughs> and if he wants the other half, he's got to come back. This <laughs> is turning more into a hostage video, just like you used to next Oh my god, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing to see him back on the channel. I gotta say though, like, I swear to god, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in the 40k like community is that description you wrote on that video of you guys together, like early in eighth edition, when you just like Do you remember this ages ago, Liam? When uh he was just like doing a half ass video with you and in the description you were just like scathing to him. Oh uh, yeah. That was on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did tons of work with John on Visicast. So John with Visicast was my first experience in in YouTubing in general, um, and it, clearly it was his channel. And I was, I think, towards the end of the channel life, I was more into making content than he was, um, and doing do, like doing content for him. And I was trying to do additional like talking head type content for him to sort of supplement the bat reports that he was doing. Um, anyway, like, like as we've already learned, eighth edition happened, and he decided he wasn't that interested anymore. I launched my own channel because I wanted to keep making content, and so I pulled John across to do a video with me, and he just didn't want to be there. At, at the time, he was still making content. He was still making content for Physicast. So I thought collaborations are one of the best ways to grow channels, to help each other, to help the community. Ah, uh, John will happily collaborate with me because I've done loads of work for him. He did not want to be there at all. And he he made no secret of that fact whatsoever, and so I the, the maybe the description was a little bit harsh, <laughs> to be honest. I swear to God, I was I genuinely was surprised that you were that harsh. Like in the description, like not even in the video, it was just like essentially he's a cunt. Like what the fuck? <laughs> why are you even here? <laughs> yeah, that was that was yeah, but I, like, it was amazing. <laughs> wow. Might be a little bit hard. But yeah, I was going to say, the we other, the other half of John. the question I was... Yeah, no, he's a great guy. I remember meeting him uh, last... Was it last year? Whenever the Christmas... When was the Christmas part? Oh my Not, God, it was 2019. It was 2019, yeah. It's bad, that, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So hey, I, I met John two years ago now? Oh yeah. My, or a year and a... Oh, whatever. Whenever that was. And he was super cool. He's a really nice guy. Um, but yeah, the other half of the question I was going to ask with that would be like... DZ in the future wants to become the uh, the Netflix of, of Warhammer content. So who are the next like people that you're looking at on YouTube and you're just like, right, okay, I would like to collaborate with you on some stuff? Uh, this is this is a que- this is a problem question for two reasons. Because he needs first to play it cool. He needs to well, be like, ah, oh, you can. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't like. So, so there's a number of reasons why this is a difficult question. First of all, I don't like playing my hand mm-hmm. because I uh, I do a lot of business based stuff and I don't like showing my hand early um, because it, it doesn't make sense to do that business wise. Secondly, I'm conscious that I don't want to upset people if they don't get mentioned. So I'm I don't like. I think there's tons and tons and tons and tons of great content producers out there and we would love to put them all in the, in the deployment zone that the realistic the realism is we, we can't afford to do that let alone have the capacity currently to do that maybe in the future we can have a significant number of content creators and the other reason why it's a difficult question is because alex is a massive dick and he knows where i'm going with it so that, so he's asking a question that he knows the answer to as well <laughs> do you want to write the description for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i think maybe we should so i think um 
without giving too much away, the key for me at the moment with deployment zone content is to get the balance right. Uh, and what I mean by that is, I don't think it serves us as a business to have 10 Winters type battle reports in deploymentzone.tv. I don't think it makes sense, right? What Winters does in battle reports, I think he's the best at with what he does with his style. So when we brought Play On on board, for example, it didn't make sense to go and find a channel that does what Winters already does. It doesn't make sense to do that. So um, with Play On, or, although they've gone down the narrative route with with the Crusade system, it's a very different style of content, which was a real key for us because it it meant there was variety and it meant we potentially could um, we could appeal to a wider audience who might come in and watch what Winters does and goes, actually, I like what he does, or watch Endless Cacophony podcasts or Fireside Chats or the Hobby Apocalypse or whatever else we've got going on at the time, and go, oh, actually, I wouldn't have normally watched this, and, and maybe we can keep the customers. And it, so far, touch wood, it seems to have worked. So when you look at what we currently have in DZ, I think we're doing okay for podcast content with um, the Endless Cacophony podcasts and the Fireside Chats. Um, we've got some decent blog stuff going on with things like the Hobby Apocalypse. I think that's quite interesting content. Winters does winters, play on does play on. I think our biggest gap in the market at the moment sits around the competitive scene, personally. So we've just started doing some work with a guy called Jim Vasil. Jim Vasil is a Canadian who um, performs very well in the ITC circuit. Um, but he is new to content creation and we're helping him establish. And this is part of what our whole vision and goal was, is that not only would we bring in established channels to offer more content, but we would help the smaller channels grow into bigger channels by offering them a, a platform to advertise on and, and and shout about them and talk about them in the, in the community. So Jim, uh, with his YouTube channel, we're talking about his YouTube channel, we're pointing people towards his YouTube channel, we're giving him a, a platform, an audience that he maybe wouldn't have had if he had just gone it alone. So I still think, however, in terms of established competitive content, we have a bit of a gap there and there's people I have in mind that we could bring in. Um, and maybe we the only, the only other gap I think we perhaps have is around pure law focused videos. So your Lutin type video, I'm not saying Lutin is the person that we would love to bring in, but the Lutin type video where it is basically pure 40k law, I think that would be something else that would be beneficial for, for DZ in terms of its overall catalogue of content. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting seeing where uh, where it all goes in the future. <laughs> Liv's smiling at me right now. Like, <laughs> You're yeah, such an arsehole sometimes. Yep, yep, entirely. <laughs> I make no apologies for That's my because behavior. I told you in the, in, the, in the text message conversation that we had before we started the podcast, I said, this thing is off limits that you can't talk about. And that, what we've just spoke about, wasn't one of those things. So I can't even, mm-hmm. I can't even be angry at you. But <laughs> I am a little I've been bit. good. I haven't mentioned the thing at all. No, good. Don't. <laughs> so uh, the off limit stuff, guys. So the next question, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the uh, in the pre-show thing, and like everyone I know is beginning to to settle down and have kids and you know be proper adults now. So Apart from me, I think quite interesting. For, well, except for me. What do you mean everyone? <laughs> um, <laughs> except you and me, everyone else. Well, you have you everyone have those legitimate settled. children, Rich. To be fair. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Ed. We weren't going to tell everyone about those. <laughs> yeah, and quickly, you've got your custodies. They're your children, aren't they? Your tiny resin. They boys. are my babies. He looks yeah, after those more than I look after my own children, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, saying this, so the question was, and it's from uh, our, our good friend Charles. Uh, he says, how do you balance family and hobby time? Is there a guilt of stealing precious time away for the hobby? Yeah, this is a tough one, right? And uh, something that I on occasion haven't done well um, 
I think the the main sort of factor for that is because DZ is a business and we have customers that I am very conscious of um, because they they pay money for our service. So I want to be able to provide them service that's worth the money they're paying. So um, the balance with family life, hobby life in terms of DZ content creation, etc., and work is a horrible one. And I, like I said, I don't get it right. So um, I recently changed jobs. I now work a Monday to Friday job. I used to work a shift pattern. And arguably with a shift pattern, it was easier to balance it because you sort of typically had four or five days off because it was a shift pattern. So you could spend a day or two hobbying and you wouldn't necessarily feel too guilty because you'd have two or three days with your family. But um, shift patterns are also horrific for your physical and sometimes mental well-being. Um, so moving off of that shift pattern was the right choice for me physically definitely I've, I've noticed a massive change but means that I'm now the victim of a two-day weekend like most people in the in the UK um, which makes it really tough right because because your family want you there for the whole two days because they, I've been working for five days um, but I also want to be able to sit and do my hobby and I also want to be able to create content for DZ so I tend to find at the moment that Monday to Friday, I'm absolutely rammed. I finish my work, which I'm lucky I work from home. I finish my work. I shut my work computer down. I find my other computer up. I start doing DZ work. And that's like, because Saturday, I, I've had to designate Saturday as a sole and complete family day. Because otherwise, my little boy said to me, one day, it'd be nice if you didn't just spend the whole day in your office. Okay. So like he's noticed oh, it. That must be brutal. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it is. But that's partly why kids are great though, because they're just that honest, right? And that's like, wow, okay, <laughs> I've not got the balance right. I've got the balance wrong because my eldest, who's eight, his perception is I do nothing but sit at this desk in one form or another. So I've got the balance wrong here. So um, I've had to specifically sort of compartmentalize my calendar and have Saturday, for example, majority of Saturday as a family day where. I do what the kids want to do. I do what the wife wants to do. And the balance to that is I get Sunday to do hobby stuff, stroke DZ stuff, uh, which isn't a massive amount of time in the grand scheme, considering that up until recently I was YouTube videoing on Monday nights. I was um, DZ videoing on Thursday nights. And you've also got to try and fit in things like fitness re regimes and keeping yourself healthy. It's just... There is not, an, I could double the amount of hours in a day and I probably still wouldn't have enough time to do everything I want to do. So um, to, to answer the question, how do I balance it? Not very well is the answer, uh, but I'm trying and trying to set specific sort of time where I go, you know what, I've set this time aside for hobbying, it's finished. So I put that to one side and I go on to the next thing now um, because otherwise I'm out of time. And that's also, you know, I'm guilty of that with my actual job as well. Working from home is dangerous. It's so easy to, to... I should be working an eight-hour day, and somehow I've done 13 hours today, but I'll keep going that extra half hour. It's hard. Like, I didn't realise how much having an office was a bonus because you would just have to leave work. Having a yeah. home office is, is a... Yeah, it's been difficult. Um, so I haven't done it very well. I'm getting better at it. Um, but one day, one day we'll do full-time DZ, Alex, and then it'll be fine. And then I can have all the time in the world yeah. to do hobby. That would be a super interesting day because, like, when you've actually got time on your hands, I can't wait to see like the kind of stuff that you put out. That's going to be amazing. Uh, time is my biggest restricting factor for anything we do with DZ. Yeah, genuinely, I mean, if you look at the play on reports, so you guys were talking about Team World, an episode, singular episode of Team World in total, from conception through to uh, finish editing the episode and it's ready for launch, takes 70 man hours in total to produce one episode on average. 
and that takes into consideration the photo the photography the cinematography and and some of the extra filming that they do actually filming the game editing it all narrating it all scripting it all that kind of stuff 70 man hours between them to produce one episode i would love to put that time into producing a battle report i'd love to be able to do that I, I, I mean, Alex, you know me. I love After Effects. I love effects. I love tech. I love all that yeah. kind of stuff. I love time. Time's the biggest, the biggest restrictive factor. And I, I think to anyone who's thinking about getting into to content creation, I think try hard to have stops, like have hard stops where you're going. You know what? I'm done now, and I've put enough time and effort into this because you can, you know yourself, you can just lose hours into making content. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. It's going to be really interesting as well, getting the feedback from the things you've said from, like, all the people who listen, uh, like, who have families and are trying to, like, have that juggle. Now, on a totally, like, left-field tangent from that, that's entirely not a serious well, Hang on, can here I, we can go, just, here we go. Can I just, can I just, can I just butt in? Can no. I just butt in? Because I do oh, yeah. want to bully you just for a second, Quipster, but in a good way. Uh-huh. Because this okay. is something where I, I think, Quipster, would you'd agree, I try to be really positive with Quipster, Liam, yeah. and I try to be like, like I know hands down that if Quipster made a video a month, he would grow faster than my YouTube channel because it would be such incredible content. But Quipster doesn't do that video a month. That's the, the, the there is there is a point where like you just need to make something. So how how do we get Quips? Because I have zero doubt in my mind it will be some of like the best quality stuff on youtube and to be fair to him he is doing the fireside chat but how do we get quipster to actually get videos over the line <laughs> that's a good question how do we because i've said to him in the past that i want him to put regular content in dz tv because i love his mm. style of video i don't like this that's twice in one podcast i've been nice to you <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. can you not Maybe release this over two separate episodes so it doesn't sound like i've been nice to you twice in one in one episode <laughs> But how do we no. get you to do that? Because maybe do I, do I, should I manage him, Ed? Should I, should I be his manager? I, I genuinely because like I, I, I the thing the, what's what's so painful because I'm not like you you guys you know because you and Quips are very much you know spiritual. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It's similar spirits in that you both love tech and you're both kindred amazing spirits, and that kind yeah. of that side of things. So yeah. I I can't tell kind that's the rest of the phrase um, kindred spirits. But like I can't tell him how to do that. I guess my only advice and I don't know but. Uh, the problem is because Quips is a perfectionist. My own advice is like find something you can do that's low effort, but you're happy to make. But for Quipster, that's like still I don't know seventy <laughs> seventy man hours of <laughs> editing. I guess this is the problem. I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, and Liam, you'll get this like as soon as I say it. Like, the thing that's holding me up at the moment because I've spent so long on this single video of this like Black Templar like painting tutorial. The thing that's stopping me is workflow. Like, essentially, I'm still figuring out the workflows of this is how I'm going to film B-roll in the future. This is how I'm going to film all the top-down stuff. This is the order in which I should film this type of content so that I can make it quicker. I'm still figuring all of that stuff out. And it's just, that's why this one video is taking way longer than it should. Because this should have been done like a month and a half ago, easily at, at minimum. But yeah, it's still just me figuring out that stuff and being too much of a perfectionist about it. So so the perfectionist thing I get, same as working out the workflow, um, but uh, there's a YouTube out there called uh, Peter McKinnon. Peter McKinnon is uh, not 40k. Peter McKinnon is just a standard Canadian YouTuber. He's a photographer, I think, by trade. Um, he puts out incredible video content and he has a phrase that's, that, where he says, 
done is better than perfect. So at least if it's done and you've got a video out there, you've got a video out there and it's better than perfect because perfect is never going to happen. And it's something that I had to accept a long time ago with my videos. And even, I mean, I need to get back on the YouTube horse because at the moment I'm in a place where if anything suffers in my life, unfortunately it's YouTube because YouTube doesn't make really much in the way of revenue for me. Um, and YouTube is more of a for fun thing. So when I've got DZ where I've got actual customers and I've got my, my you know, my currently my full-time job and my family, if something's going to have to cave, it's going to have to be YouTube. But even then, sticking something out is better than sticking nothing out at all. Um, because you're waiting for it to be perfect and I think perfection is something that only the emperor's children will ever get anywhere near I just don't think we're ever going to get to perfection for things like especially the way that you and I want to make content not with having a job at the same time as long as Alex does it in a French accent (laughs) I mean I was was just going to say like I mean that's that's certainly like for me because I I, you know I, I started a YouTube channel um but i just haven't put out many videos and i don't i just don't have time i mean that that's my like time poverty i mean obviously it's not from having a family in quite the same way that you know you 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 do liam but like time poverty around sort of my job and and having to actually like paint minis and wanting to do other things it's just it's just a real nuisance to try and fit it in so i think like the advice from ed is is right there like find something that works for you find something that's low effort and that you can do like i i would i would much rather record like for me personally i much rather do like podcast type content like this like we're doing now because it's like a couple of hours out of my week you know we we share the editing between us but like i can edit an episode fairly quickly like for me that's a lot easier than trying to do the video based content so yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a difficult one like with with you know a, a full-time job that is quite demanding as well so so yeah the, t- the time poverty thing it's definitely a difficult balance t- to try and strike for sure it's a horrendous balance i think and i think so many people won't get it right i think with youtube the other thing to remember with youtube is um you guys are all doing it oh I, I, I think or i get the impression that you guys are all doing it for the right reason so you're doing it simply because you enjoy it and you want to and no other reason and there are people out there unfortunately that come onto youtube because they want youtube to be their career and they want to make millions of pounds off of youtube Uh, and i think that if you can do it for the same reason that you are and therefore remove some of that pressure um it's a little bit easier to stick content out as well because you're like you know what if i miss this week i miss this week that's fine i've got other stuff to do and i also don't want to stick something out that i'm not happy with so I miss this week and I think doing it for the right reasons is a real key to balancing that time piece as well because if you do it for the wrong reasons you, it can it can really get on top of you it can really get stressful and, and again I think we spoke about this the last time I, I was on right so I deleted the YouTube studio app so if you're if you have a YouTube channel you can have an app called the YouTube studio app the YouTube studio app gives you tons of data in terms of views watch time subscriber numbers all that kind of stuff I got rid of it because it became obsessive for me I'm a competitive person anyway. I'm, I'm a naturally competitive person anyway. I will look at other channels and how they're performing and instantly go, oh, I'm, I'm nowhere near them anymore. I got rid of that altogether because it was a real, like genuine, one app was a real negative impact on me and my time. And I would start going, oh no, I need to put something up because I haven't put a, con- a video out for ages and, and I'm losing views and I'm losing... So what? Then I start panicking, and then I start pressuring, pressurizing content, and then I make a video that I just don't love, and that comes across. And I've always said with things like YouTube and content creation, for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of people are the same, I tend to engage with the personality more than the actual content. 
So there are YouTubers out there that I watch who put videos up where the content that they're actually covering, I've got no interest in that actual topic itself because he's a YouTuber that I tend to watch anyway. I'm invested in him as a person and him as a personality. I watched the video and then I, I watched the video for, for Peter beginning four or five days ago. I watched a 10, 15 minute video about how he broke four fingers. And I finished that video and I genuinely thought to myself, why have I just watched that? I had... But that's that's yeah, the key. That's but because he when he does his videos, he's upbeat, he's happy, like he's just such a likable guy. I think if you start pressuring yourself in terms of time, I must get a video out, I must squeeze a video in you're not gonna like it, you're not gonna enjoy it. That will come across, I think, in my opinion anyway. I think it is a big thing with YouTube to you have to enjoy the process of it as much yeah. as anything else. And to be fair, at least like in the process of making the stuff that I am at the moment, I am really enjoying it. If only because I'm playing with all the new expensive toys, which these guys are taking the piss out of me for constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to get something out. <laughs> I know, I know. I promise, I promise. It's coming, it's coming. It will be soon. Now that I've finished all the, most of the preliminary stuff, we're gonna we're gonna come off of this. I'm gonna get hold of Ed, and we're gonna work out a way that we can bully you to put videos out every month. <laughs> Yeah. To be like fair, every, you have inspired me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of it tonight. Every month you don't release a video on YouTube, I'm gonna stamp on a custody. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, would, I would break me. <laughs> well, you better that's, start putting content. There you go, Liam. That's that's, <laughs> a low, that's a low effort thing I can add to my channel. I'll just do slow motion stamping on custodies. So there you go. Alex. <laughs> we'll get your numbers up. We'll get my numbers up. Job done. Yeah. Record all the sound for some people who yeah. want it. I'll turn into one of those channels. Just. Mm crunchy oh custodies yeah i think that's that's the no. thing now we'll stamp on a model a month until you start putting videos out Done. we'll put to test that theory oh that uh custodies don't record their losses by destroying them on youtube <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a channel Just with someone stamping some. on models is going to attract the wrong sort of audience because uh, i feel like that is going to be a fetish for some people <laughs> <laughs> of course you had to take it to a sexual place adam Am I wrong? No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Actually, saying this, me and Ed were having this conversation the other day about like sex parties and stuff. This is the hard right turn. What? This what? is the tangent. What? Oh. <laughs> and on and that so note, I don't, how have I forgotten wait, wait, this conversation? <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. At this point in the podcast, Mr. Paternot decided to go a little bit crazy, so Quipster has been censored. We're not going to include this, but you might hear some references later on to a certain kind of sexy party. If that's the kind of thing you're into, that's fine, but we're going to leave this little bit of spiciness out of the podcast. No, don't. I don't want to. I don't. I know you were talking about starting an OnlyFans, but please actually keep it to just painting content. Please, Do you know the worst go. part? The worst part about Alex talking about starting an OnlyFans is he'd probably make some money off of it. That's oh, what he would. He really would. fucking annoys oh, me. Yeah. Outrage. <laughs> that would be extremely funny. Um, I mean, the other right turn I was going to suggest quickly, like and this is kind of the last question, would be um, someone who has bodyguard. Dot uh, 17 on Instagram who's asked, what was everyone's favourite model to build and paint? Oh, this is more relatable. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich, you want to start? Favourite model to build and paint. I was going to say the Void Dragon, but it's a Necro model and building them are just a breach. A bitch. So, um, you know what? Treebeard. 
completely not Shrewd. related to anything um 40k hmm. or, or what model i'm ever going to use but one i love painting it it was it's by far the best thing i've ever painted and and two mm-hmm. it's fucking tree bid it's just cool so i'm gonna say tree bid okay interesting just just for context name i like to sometimes paint uh like that middle earth midis because it's just a nice palette cleanser and gets away and they're just pretty to look at it's okay you don't have to explain That's yourself true. to me it's fine I just want, I just want you to love me. I have to explain myself all the time. Okay What's this double standard all of a sudden? It's okay that it's non-40k. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry, guys. Wait, Liam's he not starts talking about non-40k <laughs> things and everyone's just like, oh, no, it's fine. I start talking about a non-40k yeah. thing and yeah, everyone's yeah, just like, that's weird. A model Stop talking about that. A sex party where you've just put yeah, someone gonna... randomly there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, the tree herders are a little bit different to you and your parties, mate. You are know? they? Are they, though? Uh, well, well. When, when, next time, next time, Alex, next time Alex says he's going to the end moot, we know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh. So, Adam, what's your favourite miniature to build and paint? Um, yeah, thanks. I don't, do you know what? It's a, that's a really difficult question. Um, I really like painting Mortarian. Mortarian, Mortarian. I also t- sounded like my other half there. Mortarian. Uh, no, he's he was really fun just because he's got like the he's got kind of lots of opportunities to do a lot of blending on the wings and you kind of the Death Guard generally are very good for kind of doing lots of gribbly grubby nonsense which I quite enjoy uh, on on the miniatures. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I think the the I must admit like a lot of the Necron stuff was fun to paint in my scheme, but I will echo uh, Rich's comments, which is that Necron uh, building instructions were designed in hell by demons um, in order to make your life <laughs> very very painful. Um, so they're not very fun to build. So yeah, I, I would say I would say build and paint at the moment probably Mortarian. I think he was he was good fun. And he's pretty savage to play okay. against. I can, I can, I can, I can tell you he's, that. He's, 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 he's a Still nasty boy. Yes, he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, what about you? What's uh, what's your favourite? Uh, you get a non-sex party related question. What is your your favourite model to build and paint so it's far? A, I think the favourite model I've built has been Abaddon. And I don't know if any of you guys have built Abaddon, but Abaddon is incredible because he's got layers Mm. that you don't see once you finish building Abaddon, which is really fascinating. Like they've actually layered his armor in as you build the model. So to build, Abaddon was definitely up there as one of my favorite models to put together just because I love that extra detail. It kind of made me sad that some of it was going to be hidden under things like shoulder pads and armor, but (laughs) at the same time, loved that attention to detail. Um, In terms of painting... In terms of painting, it's a really tough choice for me because I don't paint tons of my own stuff a lot. <laughs> I guess I, I uh, at one point I painted uh, Khan the Betrayer, and I love that because I experimented a lot with Blood for the Blood God, which I hadn't done before, and I love the freedom. <laughs> and I also that like, this is I know it sounds really childishly petty, but I also experimented with a slow a snow base on grass with blood splatters. Really enjoyed that process. That was quite cool. That is awesome. I've got a lot of time for that. Ed, did we do yours? No, we haven't done yours. No, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm going to split mine out uh, as well. So to, to build, and I have mentioned this one before on the podcast, So, but for, for me, the, the my favorite model to build is the Cold Star Battlesuit. It is such a, oh, it's cool. such a brilliant model. Um, and hmm. if, if you've read, like, it's quite a funny thing that all of the Tau Battlesuits are kind of released in the same way, law-wise, which is the the there's a, there'll be a book or a you know a novella or something where the the tower getting beaten by the imperium they release a battle suit and then that turns the tide to to the degree that like shadow sun she like holds back battle suits 
uh, from battle so that she can bring them out whenever things are looking dire. Um, and oh, wow. like the, the and the cold star has like the best introduction ever uh, in the in the one of the far side <laughs> books. So it's like um, it's in a Crisis of Faith, and that's like it's. Uh, no one's going to read this book, so I don't. Oh, fuck, it, I'll spoil it. But like, basically, uh, Farsight goes into a Cold Star suit and then basically takes down an entire Space Marine fleet. It's fucking incredible. Oh, um, don't be telling <laughs> me about this. That is yeah. amazing. So, so, so <laughs> it's 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 a very very cool scene, and uh, yeah. So to build, it's definitely the best because it's also so poseable. Sorry, is where I was going build wise because you know people do the superhero landing pose, people do like you know the like really anime style sprinting, which is really really cool. I think to paint as someone that doesn't really like painting um i like uh as just a real hats off to contrast paint painting um, my patriarch lord avery was a dream because like the contrast paint works so well on tyranid models it just it just makes them look amazing and like that model i thought like and i'm not i'm not saying this to brag because like it was very minimal effort but like i think it looks insane and it's just like it's just it's it's it was barely any work because it's just like a few cut contrast paint just pops really well on that one. Oh, for sure for sure i mean i've seen that model as well and it does look stunning and just just quickly for myself i was just gonna say um the vindicar assassin for me easily um just because you should instagram one. it mate <laughs> I've not seen this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen about it, that posted um, about fifteen times. So, um, but is that, that oh, yeah. is that model? No, is that actually <laughs> resin or, pla- um, or plastic? Mm-hmm. Is it actually That's painted now? One. Is it actually painted? Because I remember Alex when you first bought a Vindicare Assassin to a mm. battle report. Was he painted? He was. Uh, he was almost painted. <laughs> he was Shame. almost there. Shame. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. To be fair, it's just because like it was that and Trajan. Trajan was like half painted, and I was just like, oh no. But uh, they've they've been painted since then, and mm. they're up on Wait, didn't Instagram you bring that Trajan to a tournament? Well, yeah, painted. And, uh, yeah, I'm just no, like... no. It's it's a no. It's a three color three color minimum. So he's literally just got gold, some purple on the plume, and the the base is like brown and green. And that's it. Yeah, I know. I had to be quick. I'm very slow at painting. No, you don't say. <laughs> I'm yeah, not sure that I statement needs to be made, mate, to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the Vindicar Assassin, for me, uh, definitely my favourite so far. Just because I realised I really enjoy painting like the details on a model. And that model has some really fantastic details to like really get into. Especially with like, straps and stuff that he's got across his body. Very much enjoyed that, I think. And that's your favourite to build uh, as well? Even... Uh, so I'm looking at the, the thing behind me, so probably to build as well. I'm... <laughs> it was okay, I would say, but maybe... <laughs> I've actually been genuine. <laughs> the... yeah. uh, I think maybe the Telemon, actually, was probably really, was a lot of fun to, to build. The Custodes Forge World so Dreadnoughts possible. are actually quite nice models, and I, mm. I'm not a mm. resin fan. They're actually really quite nice to put together. Mm. Yeah. For sure. I think Never it's just because they're quite chunky. Like, they've got quite, like, every piece is, like, quite big, so you don't get the as much the miscast. Do you know, do you know the most satisfying thing about the Custodes Dread- Dreadnoughts? What? Blowing them up? They've got, they've got pre-drilled magnet slots in them. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That, yes. like, whoever did that at, at Forge World, he should be promoted, because that was... That's, that's, <laughs> that's a hero move to pre-drill magnet slots in something like those Dreadnoughts is amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, and I think on that note, Rich, pass it back to you to, to close out the show because uh, I've we've we've run out of questions here. Yes. So thank you for uh, listening to us ramble on today. Um, it had there were there were some serious right turns, which I don't know if I'll make it through. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, thank you. They better. <laughs> thank you, thank you, everyone. I I've been Rich, and I've been joined by the usual suspects of the Sandman. ADR Wargaming and Quipstar and thank you Liam it's been a pleasure seeing you I hope you enjoyed yourself well I, like I said today man like Sundays is now my free hobby day so I'll come on almost as regularly as you'll have me are you our first reoccurring guest from YouTube yeah yeah well I feel special yeah you should <laughs> that <laughs> pause you are Quipstar is going to invite you to a party after this so uh, <laughs> yeah <you're, you're> <laughs> yeah um, I, I feel like I wouldn't go to a party like that with him. I, th- I feel like I might feel a bit with inferior him. for a while. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Only if he's facing away. Well, I'm just going to end this before it gets even weirder. So, um, I will wear a mask, it's fine. <laughs> follow us on the, co- the Conclave40k on Instagram. Uh, Liam, where can we find you? Here, in my office. <laughs> Not at any parties. Uh <laughs> Okay, please please subscribe and uh, have a check out DCTV and you can follow uh, Liam on YouTube and on Instagram at Liam Dempsey. Thank you and goodbye. Bye-bye.